Blog Talk Radio. With those versatile sounds, what we mouth is DJ Dubex. My name is Everett Sands. I'm the Sands. I'm the Sands. I'm the My name is Everett Sands. I'm the Sands. I'm the Sands. My name is Everett Sands. I'm the President and Founder of the West Foundation. West, 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 Working people's success. Working people's success. What we want, we want, we want to do is we want to impart on these young people that we have opportunity to coach, coach, coach. That you got to work every day. You got to work every day to be successful. You can't take any days. You can't take any days off. Even when you don't feel like getting it done, you got to get out there and do it. Hey, how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands of the West Foundation Sports Talk Show. It is March the 30th. Yes, March is already over. We're in the middle of March Madness, and we got another great show lined up for you today. Um, I always love just talking a little bit about the West Foundation. Uh, for those that, that don't know, the West Foundation, we started it about five years ago, and our goal is to help kids to understand that they can be successful without being a professional athlete. Now, we want them to chase that dream because there's so much that can be learned from chasing that dream. But the key is it's also good to understand that your sport is going to end at some time. Regardless if you're Tom Brady, you've been in the league for 21 years or you've been playing for 25, and I'm not sure how many guys have done that, but regardless, if you play, it's going to end it sometime. And the key is that sport might end when you finish high school. It might end when you finish college. You might get a cup of coffee in the league. You might be able to play 10 years in the league. It's still going to end. And our focus is to help make sure that these young people are equipped with tools for success whenever this sport ends. Our big event is we have a free football and cheerleading camp in the summertime. Now, what makes our camp a little different is there's some guys that played with me that are some of the coaches, but most of the coaches are guys that played for me at my various stops, um, at the Citadel, University of South Carolina, NC State, Ohio University, Elon College, um, and we're, we're eventually going to get somebody from Texas out here as well. But the key is those guys love being around the kids. And they, I think they get as much out of it as the kids get the chance to see them. But what the kids get out of it is they get a vision of success. They get to see guys that they saw on, on TV. Um, some of these guys had an opportunity to play professionally. Some of them, they went to williams Bryce or they went to uh, Johnson Haygood down in Charleston and saw them play. But they can go on and see these guys and say, hey, if he can be successful, I can be successful. And the key with these guys is all of them have gone professional in something. 
even if they had opportunity to play professional sports, they still went professional in something else. And that's what we want these kids to understand. Success can be theirs. And it starts with a lot of things. We believe it starts with education. That's very important. And it might not always be the traditional education. Welders, plumbers, doing those trade schools, those guys make a lot of money. Mechanics, they make a lot of money, and they have success. But you must learn. There is still a learning curve there. So we don't ever want to get the thought of our, out of our minds that we're done with learning. Then the other thing is we also do some life skills. One of the ones that we talk about a lot, and we're going to talk about it in depth tonight, is financial literacy. Because regardless if you have an opportunity to play professionally or you don't, financial literacy is still important. Whether you have $100 in your pocket or 100000 in your pocket, if you don't know what to do with it, you're going to end up broke before long. We also want to talk about mental wellness. Uh, we deal with character, leadership, how to interact with police officers. And we want to, once we get back interacting, um, once COVID is over, uh, doing something about etiquette. But all these things are, are things that will help these young people be successful. Now, also always love having a thought of the day. Today that thought is focus. And here's a reality. Focus doesn't come naturally to most people. Here's the truth. With it, you will accomplish much. But without it, you're going to feel drained and unable to complete a lot of things. Later today, we're going to hear from uh, Coach Jamie Chadwell, and one of the things I picked up from him was, be where your feet are. In other words, wherever you are, that's where your focus should be. So don't be in class thinking about practice. Don't be in practice thinking about class. Wherever you are, that's where your focus should be. Another thing that I realized, and my wife actually said here recently, is attempting everything is like attempting nothing. Not only are you going to feel tired, you're not going to get a lot done. So if you try to do too much, you're not going to be very successful. It's hard because you don't have that focus. And being able to focus on all those things is almost impossible. But focus, it's going to give you energy. And it's going to allow you to concentrate on that one thing, and that's how you're going to find success. John Maxwell said, the mind doesn't reach toward achievement until it has clear objectives. But if I'm doing too much or I'm not allowing myself to get focused, those objectives won't be clear. And then my last uh, quote of the day is by David Starr Jordan. And he said, the world stands aside to let anyone pass who knows where he or she is going. In a sea of mediocrity, just knowing where you want to go and then making an effort to pursue it distinguishes you from almost everybody else. So first I've got to know where I want to go, and then I have to make that effort to pursue it. So I've got to have focus, first of all, to figure out what I want to do. Then I have to shift that focus to doing what it takes to get that done. And if you would do these things, you're going to go in and distinguish yourself from everybody. Because unfortunately, mediocrity is too rampant right now. But we want to go on and take that next step and let's move past mediocrity and let's go on and find that success. And if the success was easy, everybody would have it, but everybody doesn't. So focus is definitely a key to that. 
Today, I have a, a, a special friend of mine who actually been on the show as a guest, and now she is joining me as the co-host, Miss Sammy Furman. Sammy, how's everything going? Oh, so good. Thanks. Hi, everyone, first of all, and thanks, Everett, for having me back um, to actually help us co-host. I'm so excited. Good. We're definitely glad to have you. Glad to have you. Now, once again, just to refresh everybody and some that, that haven't heard, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm a registered dietitian. I initially started off um, working kind of in the interim, working in a hospital, and then I had the rare and amazing opportunity to go start the sports nutrition program at North Dakota State University. I was also the first full-time FCS sports dietitian, which was really awesome as well. I got to spend three years at NDSU, and then I had a wild hair that I realized I was lacking in the knowledge of culture, and I love culture, and I love learning different cultures, and um, food plays a big role in all of our lives, and I think food for itself kind of speaks for itself as well. And so in doing so and working at NDSU, we had a few international students, and I love talking to them and hearing their stories and hearing of their favorite foods at home. And so that kind of led me to realize that I definitely have a lack of knowledge in um, different cultural food practices. So I decided that I was going to go backpack Europe and learn of all these different cultures over in Europe, and it was going to be a three-month-long trip. Well, COVID happened at this time. So last year... It was actually probably close to this date that I had canceled all of my plans, all of um, I had my flight and where I was going to stay and everything planned and booked for at least the two and a half, first two and a half weeks. I had my flight there and my flight back for the three months, but in between it was really lucrative and I, I could go different places, but I had to cancel all due to COVID and I've kind of been living in limbo uh since last year, but I've had some really awesome experiences and awesome, like, looking at, so Everett talked about know where you want to go and have a clear focus. Well, I've always known that my focus is sports, and I love sports, but I also love food, and so how can I marry those together? And so during this odd time, I've been working on growing as a professional, and I've had opportunities to work with professional athletes and look at different food practices and now as I'm kind of honestly I'm kind of over living in limbo and I just want to get back into sports and um, hit the ground running but before I do so I really want to go jump to a different country and I want to learn a different culture before I do jump back in so that I can check that box off and I'm actually as of this week I'm kind of looking at potentially going over to Africa and see what that looks like and yeah, that's kind of a brief summary of my journey in this past year and kind of a brief, yeah. What are you talking about going to? It's in, so Zambia, so South Africa is where I'm looking at. And Zambia is a place that one of, a friend of a friend uh, has somebody there. So I have a contact there and she she's lived there. She's actually from Colorado, but she lives in Zambia. Africa, and she said she has never felt unsafe, and she absolutely loves it. And I've only heard wonderful things of it since I started talking about it this week. And 
Yeah, so I want to go there. I want to go Cape Town, which is a big tourist area, but I feel like if I'm over there, I might as well just go check it out. Mm-hmm. Now, are you going by yourself or are you going with uh, some friends? Uh, this one, I'm going by myself. So if any of the listeners want to join me, feel free. But um, it's kind of spontaneous because I just decided, oh, gosh, it was like last week I reached out to a friend and I was like, I need to go. Like, can I have your contact in Africa just to get some ins and outs? And um, since it is such short notice, some people can't go. A lot of people have jobs and families and logistically they just can't. But I'm, I just have that travel itch. You gotta, you get that itch, you gotta go in and scratch it. If not, you'd be talking about all the what ifs. So yeah, exactly. I would love to get a chance to get over there. So hopefully, that, that's one of my things that that I uh, I'm going to definitely get a chance to do at some point. I just don't know when it's going to be. So, yeah, so we'll I see. think whenever you have the opportunity, you got to do it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. So as you go over there, so your big thing is you want to check out the food and the culture. Um, so what do you think is going to be a difference food-wise? I know you won't know until you get there, but from <laughs> a food perspective, what do you think is going to be different? The spices and how they spice their food, I think, will be a huge difference from how we do it over here. Um, taking a shot in the dark, um, different produce, probably. My friend, she's been to Africa, and she was telling me about it. She went on a mission trip to an orphanage, and she got to meet a family, and she said it was really neat how in the afternoon they would – this is a cultural practice for them – is they would take the time in the afternoon to sit down with their family, and they would – um, make coffee, but in doing so, they would just have, they'd have the raw coffee beans and they would roast them and then they would smash them and make coffee and then they'd make popcorn. And to them, that's um, kind of a delicacy to be able to do that. And they do that every single day. So even just like the simple things in life and coming together and how popcorn and coffee can bring people together, that she told me that story and I thought that was amazing. And so I think um, being able to just be together in the different cultural practices and whatever it may be. And, um, gosh, I don't know. But I definitely think the spices and the produce will probably be a little bit different. I would assume maybe the yeah. the protein sources. I would assume they don't have as many cows over there, but I could be completely wrong. I would, uh, you know, as I just think over at India, um, they got a bunch of cows in India because, you know, they sort of treat them like gods. You can't kill a cow over there, so I would imagine they've got their fair share. But again, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I know when I went to Germany, they didn't have many cows. They didn't have much beef. They had mainly pork, which I thought was interesting. Okay. It's cold in Germany, isn't yeah. it? No, it wasn't. Well, I went there in June. This was four yeah. years ago. It was pretty warm then. Yeah. Well, okay. So your definition of warm and my definition of warm are very different. <laughs> Definitely. That is so true. That is so true. Because, you know, to me, you know, like for me for golf, if it's below 50, I'm not going. You can hang it up. It's over. But if it's above 50, 
then then I could probably put on another layer and I'll be all right. Um, but uh, but I imagine this for you is short sleeves and short weather. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but I would I would probably pull out some some caprice, maybe still long sleeves, but definitely not the parka. Yeah, yeah. Give give me give me my big thick jacket, the biggest you got when you start getting cold. Cause you you knew you said it snowed yesterday, and then the day is fifty degrees. Yes, it's so bizarre. Um, different. What's the weather like over there? Well, today it was a little chilly. Um, it was 61, and then it got up to about 71, 72 uh, by early afternoon. Uh, so, uh, uh, and you know, like it's like 61 is chilly. Uh, it felt chilly this morning, and then it got a little warm. So, but it's not. It's it's, it's pretty good right now. It's a little chillier in the morning, and then by afternoon it's probably low to mid 70s. Oh, that sounds so nice gotta, right now. Uh, we got to get you down south sometimes so you can come enjoy this, this southern weather. Yes, I agree. I would not be opposed. <laughs> now, as this is, well, this is March Madness. Let's, let's talk a little basketball. This is March Madness. Okay. Now, the bad part is, as I look at my bracket in this Elite Eight, I have one team right, and that's Michigan. Yeah. That's it. Everybody else is gone, and and I try to get some upsets in there, but I I picked the wrong upsets because there's been a lot of upsets. Oh my gosh, there's been so many upsets. Which actually, I feel it's kind of fitting for this past year. Yeah, you're right. You're right. This this year is is definitely been. Very different, very different. And uh, just being in a stadium or a basketball arena without a lot of fans, I'm sure, affects a lot of teams. And they were saying this is the first time um, in a long time that, you know, Duke is not around, Kentucky's not around, Kansas is not around, North Carolina's not around. And, you know, those are the teams that's normally at least one of them is, is going to be playing right now in the, in, in the Elite Eight, at least one, if not a couple of them. Uh, but none of those teams are around. And and that's different. That is definitely different. And so, it is different. But just tonight uh, we have starting off with Gonzaga and USC. Who do you have there? I have Gonzaga. Right, now, Who do you have? USC got, got, got some brothers over there that's been tearing it up. So I'm calling for the upset, and I'm going with USC. Okay. And then on the other side, we got Michigan and UCLA. Yep. I'm going to go with the upset on that one. I'm going to do UCLA. And I'm and I'm going the opposite on that because I thought Alabama should have beat UCLA, um, and then overtime UCLA pulled it out, which Alabama had to make a shot with virtually no time on the clock to push it to overtime. Um, but I'm I'm going with Michigan for that one. So you calling you calling for the upset on on against Michigan, 
And I'm calling for the upset against Gonzaga. Yep, Tonight, so we'll see who. We'll see what happens. Now, on the women's side, you have University of South Carolina and Texas. Who do you have for that game? I'm going to do South Carolina. And I'm right there with you. I got to go with South Carolina. Um, and Are you slightly biased? Slightly. Slightly biased. <laughs> very slightly. Uh, and then the other game at, at nine is Stanford and Louisville. Which one do you think there? I'm going to go Louis. And again, I'm going to go and agree with you because I think they're going to go on and pull the upset. You know, it's a one versus a two seed, but I think Louisville's going to go on and pull that one out as well. So if that's the case, it could very well, which, you know, a lot of people talk about the no call. I'm not sure if you saw any highlights or had a chance to watch it last night. But the no call last night late in the game in the Baylor-UConn, the women's game. Um, girl got fouled. She was driving to the hoop. At least everybody said, you know, most people think it was a foul, but it was a no call. And therefore, UConn uh, won that one. So the winner of the Stanford and Louisville game will play UConn, um, which, of course, is full of controversy right now. And then uh, on the other side, the winner of the South Carolina-Texas game will play Arizona. So it's going to be interesting. And then on the boys' side, um, Baylor beat Arkansas. And... um, Houston beat Oregon State. So Houston get the opportunity to go to the first time in the Final Four. If I heard correctly, I think it's like since the 70s. Um, so it's going to be interesting there. And see, I was thinking, this is what the, this is the bracket I had. In the, in, the, uh, in the Elite Eight, I had UVA. So I had UVA beating Gonzaga. I had Kansas. I had Kansas beating USC, and I had that was all bad. But I did have Michigan, and I had Alabama beating Texas. But of course, UCLA screwed that side of it up over there because UCLA beat Texas, and then it turned around and beat Alabama. And then on the other side, this is how bad my my picks were. I had Purdue and Florida, which of course Purdue didn't get past. Uh, the second round, Florida got beat by Oral Roberts in the second round. So I was all wrong there. And then on the on the last one, I had uh, Georgia Tech. Again, I was calling for an upset. I had Georgia Tech um, just upsetting their way through. Instead, they were nowhere to be found. And then I had West Virginia. And I had Houston losing to uh, Syracuse. Or excuse me, West Virginia. I had Houston losing to uh, West Virginia. But, of course, Syracuse beat West Virginia. Houston beat Syracuse. And now Houston's in the Final Four. So all these years that I I couldn't fill out a bracket because of NCAA reasons, the first year I'll fill one out, and I do terribly wrong, uh, terribly bad. So maybe I won't fill it out again. We'll see. (laughs) Uh, Don't be too hard on yourself. (laughs) <laughs> so 
Now, another thing that I, that I saw today, um, football-wise, San Francisco has uh, traded up for the third pick. So oh, the question, really? Yeah. So, so they're thinking that they're trading up to get a quarterback. So, hey, Trevor Lawrence is still projected as the number one pick. But from a quarterback perspective, you got Zach Wilson, which I heard he had a, a great uh, pro day. Um, Justin Fields, which he had another one that that uh, had another, a really nice pro day. Um, and then you got Trey Lance. So it's it's some there's some quarterbacks out there. So which one would they trade up for? You know, the first thought is probably going to be Zach Wilson or Justin Fields. But, hey, who knows? Who knows? It's going to be interesting. But the thing is, you know, they gave up three future number one picks to move up to third. And well, they might really they need a quarterback. Garoppolo is still there, and they say they're not going to get rid of him. So, I don't know. You know, there's always there's things that happens on the on the backside that, that you don't you don't know because we're out here, we don't really know all the intricacies of what's going on. Uh, but you got to think something's going on at San Fran for them to give up three future number one picks um, just to move up to potentially get a quarterback. Yeah, I guess we'll just wait and see. Yeah, we got about a month. Next month this time, uh, we'll be in the middle of the draft. The draft we're going on starts on April 29th. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. So we've got to wait and see what happens. But, hey, we're going to go on and go to a quick break, and then we'll be back with our first guest. Hold on one second. I've been moving calm, don't start no trouble with me Trying to keep it peaceful is a struggle for me Don't pull up at 6 a.m. to cuddle with me You know how I like it when you loving on me I don't want to die for them to miss me I see the things that they wishing on me Hope I got some brothers that outlive me They gon' tell the story that was different with me God's plan God's plan I hold back sometimes I won't yeah. I feel good sometimes I don't yeah. I finesse down Western Road yeah. Yeah. Might go down to G.O.D. Yeah. I go hard on Southside G yeah. Right I made sure that no side And still Bad things It's a lot of bad things That they wish and wish and wish and wish and they wish and on me Bad things It's a lot of bad things That they wish and wish and wish and wish and they wish and on me Yeah Hey, hey. 
She say, do you love me? I tell her only partly. I only love my bed and my mom. I'm sorry. 50 dub, I even got it tatted on me. 81, they'll bring the crashes to the party. And you know me. Turn the 0-2 into the 0-3. Without 40, Ollie, there be no me. Imagine if I never met the broskies. God's plan. God's plan. I can't do this on my own, hey, no, someone watching it close, yep, close, I've been me to Scarlet Road, hey, bro, hey, might go down as G-O-D, yeah, wait, I go hard on Southside G, hey, wait, I make sure that Northside E, yeah, and still, bad things, it's a lot of bad things that they wishing and wishing and wishing and wishing they wishing on me. Yeah. Yeah. Bad things. It's a lot of bad things that they wishing and wishing and wishing and wishing they wishing on me. Yeah. Today more than ever, we think about the air our family breathes. You and your family need to count on your home's air to be clean, free from harmful bacteria, and safe from the coronavirus. COVID-19 is approximately 0.125 microns, much smaller than the average virus, making it easy to pass through most materials. But nano air filters are rated MERV-13, which means our patented filters with nanotechnology can catch the tiny coronavirus droplets, keeping your family safe. So make the healthy choice and upgrade your air filters today by visiting nanoairsolutions.com. Hey, how's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands with West Foundation Sports Talk Show. We're back, and we have our first guest on, Anthony Bavard. Anthony, how's everything going? Everything is well. How about you? Everything's good, man. Everything's good. I'm just trying to be like you when I grow up. That's all. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> hey, um, the now Anthony, tell us a little bit about your background and, and what you've been doing since uh, which you graduated from Citadel in 1990. Um, right. Tell us what you've been doing. Um, I've been in financial services for the last 31 years, which makes me feel really old. Um, I am a commercial banker by trade. But I've done other things, as, as you would know, that others don't know here yet, but I've done other things. I've owned some restaurants. I've, I've done other kind of entrepreneurial pieces. Um, and for the last five years, I've owned a company called Capital Nucleus, which is the parent company of a few things uh, in the SBA, Small Business Administration, lending arena. Um, you know, we finance people's dreams. That's what I've been doing. I might, I might have a calling to help finance my dreams. But uh, <laughs> you know, uh, with the 7 8 funding, tell, tell us a little bit, get into that a little bit more. Just funding okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how deep you want me to go with that, but 7 A funding group is the, is the main part of Capital Nucleus. And 7 A funding group is known as the outsourced SBA division for community banks. We are. Uh, the outsource, and by that I mean we have community banks that don't 
necessarily have business development teams or they don't have the infrastructure to support doing a small business administration type product on a national basis. And my company is the company that they bring in to do that. So right now we have about 20 banks that are using us as their business development piece. And what we do in that role is we bring them deals. Our, our company uh, focuses on doing it a little differently. We don't just go and find one or two deals. We go to franchisors or non-franchisors, as it may be, and bring all their clients over to that group. For the, the example I'll give, and I'll be quiet, is Allstate Insurance. We are the largest SBA lender for Allstate Insurance in the country. So anytime you see someone open a new agency, you walk down the street, you see an Allstate agency open up in somebody's shopping center or whatever, one out of every three of those we finance. So, um, And what we do in that role is we help the person to, to acquire the business to get their working capital that they need for that and help them to be successful. And and that's we do that for Allstate, for farmers. Uh, we do it for Focus brands, so all the Moe's, Southwest Grills, Latchkiss Deli, you know, Cinnabon, Jamba Juice. And that's, that's our world. And then those banks in that model decide how much they want to finance, and we do that for them. So, that so pretty much, much. <laughs> it sounds like a lot of uh, franchisee-type deals. Yes. Um, you are. And we, and we do we do a little more than that too, but that's the base of how we got started, and it helped us to become nationally known because we did it differently, and we became experts in certain verticals, whereas uh, some of our other competitors are a little more scattered. So it helped us to become uh, known as industry experts in certain pieces, and, and it helped banks to feel very comfortable with the product too. Because think about it, if you're a small bank in you know, where you're from Conway, South Carolina, and you want to do a deal for Allstate, for example, I can give you a deal in Seattle, Washington, and you're okay because you know what Allstate is. And so it helps these small banks to get outside their community and be able to survive, especially in this COVID environment where where people can't get outside. And and so it's worked out really well to help these banks to, to grow and thrive and survive when they're surrounded by the Wells Fargo's and the B of A's of the world that, that can really suffocate them in, in these small communities if they didn't do it right. Okay. Okay. And you know what? The, the the great thing is the thought of the day was focused. And you talked about trying to do too much, you won't really get much done. And it's kind of right. you are focused on that quote-unquote franchisee model and right. definitely helping well, I think I think that you have to, in anything that you do, um, focus is very important. So the word of the day is very, very, very key that you have. I didn't know that's the word, word of the day when I came on. But, yes, <clears throat> I mean, for us, I think that we built that out of the same – you and I came from the same mold. Of, we, we both played for Charlie Taft and these guys. We knew what that looked like. And, I mean – all those things from, from running <laughs> back in the office, running three plays that did 20 different things. You ran those three plays over and over again. And, you know, for us, I took that same model and put it in my business world. So when I go out to do things, I want to be efficiently efficient. 
at whatever it is we choose to bring to the table because you want to make the client know that, that their best interest is at heart. Because for me, I'm financing your dreams, and I don't take your dreams lightly. So if you come to me and you tell me you want to do something, whether it's for $10,000 or $10 million, that's your dream. And i got to take that dream very, very seriously. And if I can't do that, I shouldn't be your person. And so because of that, we only do X number of things so we can stay focused and be efficient. That's what we do. One of the things there, now, that's, that's one of the things that you took from playing for Charlie Taft. Mm-hmm. Um, what's else? Uh, anything else you've learned from your playing days at the Citadel that you use in the business world? You know, I mean, as, as you know, I, I, I'm a very undersized defensive back, um, or was. And, and, and I think that part of that mentality, I always had a little lion inside of me because I always had to play bigger because I had to run against guys like you and at least have a, a fighting chance of tackling you, a fighting chance of making you know that you can't just run over me. That would be the goal. And I think from, from Coach Taft's standpoint, he, he taught me to always think ahead and put myself in position to win. Think smarter, not harder. There's no way at my size that I was going to be able to, to tackle an Everett Sands head-to-head. I literally would have to go hit you low or just be smarter and go around you and, and do something different. And so Coach Taft just taught me how to be a thinker and, and not always attack things with an obvious head on because you might get run over. So sometimes you got to, you know, do a, do a flank movement on somebody and, and take them out. He taught me that. And then he also taught me how to be humble um, because you got to remember when I came in, before you guys got there, I was a starter at defensive back. And then you guys came in and it was you and Lester Smith and Kelly Flager and Jack Douglas and this whole group of guys who were amazing athletes. And I knew – that there was a very unrealistic chance I was going to remain a starter in that system. So you had to learn how to become a team player, and sometimes you can't be the general. <laughs> you know, the team has got to win. you got to have some soldiers out there. So I, I, it was okay for me to, to be, become a special teams player and a, and a second-tier player because I knew that the greater good was for us all to win. And so Coach Taft taught me how to do that too, and that really carried over into corporate America when you when – you, did things and you saw someone get promoted above you that maybe one of, you didn't think were as good as you or, or, or whatever, but you knew for the greater good of the team, you had to embrace your role and, and play the best you can. So you made that person better by default. And so, you know, I think, I think just learning how to, how to, how to outflank your, your, your enemy and how to learn how to be humble and accept your position and take that, that role and embrace it 100 percent. That's what Coach Taft taught me. Now, and I think the other part of that is you accept your role, but that doesn't mean you have to be complacent. That doesn't mean you stop Correct. working. You just Correct. Accept, okay, this is what it is best for the team right now, but I'm gonna do everything I can to continue to get better, so I can still reach my dreams. 
and in that same thought process, you want to do it so that if something were to happen, because, you, you know, just like in, in football, in your job, you're one play away <laughs> from being the person that's got to keep it going. And, and so you can't, to your point, get complacent, and they call you in, and all of a sudden you don't know the plays, you, weren't, you hadn't worked out, you hadn't done anything, and you're getting bombed. That's decent. You, you hurt the team. Same thing in corporate America. If you, if you aren't ready, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. <laughs> you know? um, but, but, but don't be complacent. Like, if you know that person is good, they might be good, but learn from them too and take the things that you already had that were good enough. They gave you a scholarship, so apparently you're worth something. You know? so, and in your job, they signed you. You're worth something. Don't don't get deterred when something doesn't go quite the way you want it to because I can assure you over my last 30 years, there have been plenty of times I thought I should have gotten a better role, a better paycheck, a better whatever, and it just doesn't work out that way. And you can't, you know, can't shut down because of it. So you're you're dead on with that. As you said, it's, Sometimes my role isn't what I planned, but I gotta go in there and embrace it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make you. I'm gonna make the rest of the team think that I love it, and, and I'm gonna make them know that I'm really committed to making sure that I'm not going to be a part of any reason that we don't do well. Exactly. And you set that example, exactly. and now what happens with that? As you do get to where you need to be. The rest of the teammates that saw what you went through and saw how you embraced it, they emulate you. You build a core around you, so now you become better and better because you made this army that's better too. Because they saw, some of them know that you should have had the other role or felt like, saw what you felt, whatever there was. And they, they're going to watch you. Somebody's always watching, so you can't take a, I, I don't take any naps on the job. <laughs> you know, somebody's always watching. You never know. Sometimes you, you you don't know who knows you, right? And, and I can tell you, there have been many a time that I, some of the things I'm doing right now that's made our company fortunately very successful are because of things I did that someone came back and gave me a chance to do for their for Allstate or whoever because they saw me someplace else and I didn't know they were even looking at me. Literally, yeah. and and they come back and say, okay, we're going to try this with this guy. Here's this company. We're the first SBA group that all states ever done anything with like that nationally, and we're the only minority-owned company that they have. Period for that. So, but it came through one of our guys at the Citadel, Jim Usselbeck, saw me, kept watching me, etc., kept giving me chances, and then worked the system. And then of course Jack went to work over there for a while as well, but. But prior to Jack, I got those chances because of Jim. And then Jack helped me understand some other things, too. You don't know who's looking. So even if they like you and they're your friends, if you can't do the job, your friends are not going to put you in so you can fail or make them look bad either. So you still got to be ready. Focused. That's right. I've said many times before, it's not what you know or who you know. If you get a job, what you know helps you keep your job. There you go. I, I can just open the door for you. What you do inside is up to you. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, relationships are huge. Huge, huge, huge. Yes. Now, 
one of the things that's right now, of course, is a lot of emphasis on, on small businesses. Mm-hmm. What are your expectations um, from, from the economy and from banking um, based account for small businesses? Um, I feel like the world is is adjusting to this COVID situation. I do think that as it continues to improve, I, I honestly I think there's another year of, of kind of this whole, you know, on and off again as far as being able to go in a restaurant, take your mask off, all that kind of stuff. But that being said, businesses have adjusted to what the new world looks like. What what COVID has done in my opinion, it simply made the world do business now like it was going to do in five years anyway, five to ten years from now anyway. It's just brought things closer. People already had already started doing things like calling someone to go pick up their groceries and calling someone to do these certain things. Now it's that concept on steroids. So that being said, I think that business opportunities still, still exist. They just have morphed into something else. And what you need to do if you're going to be someone successful in small business or any business is you've got to try to think ahead to what the world looks like now. If, if, if for example, you have a restaurant and, and people normally sat down inside, yeah, it's going to hurt for you not to do that anymore on a regular basis or, or to a shrunk, shrunken crowd. But now you learn you have to learn how to leverage delivery services and offer different specials and cut cut some of your pricing a little bit perhaps to get people to get on board. If you're doing anything that's the walk in type of store, you may have to do a lot more Amazon. But I feel like businesses are, are are picking back up, people are coming back outside. If you look at the news recently, uh this morning I was looking at the news and they were talking about how the the Airbnb housing piece are now almost getting to shortages because now people have decided they're going to start going back out to rent houses for vacations. And literally, so like in July, they're, out of, they're sold out of houses. So I think that you have those situations where you have um, businesses that will keep doing what they do. You just got to figure out a way to make whatever your business is fit within that cycle. Banks are, are, are definitely lending money. Um, I will tell you, like right now, my, this is probably, not probably, this is definitely the best last four months for us financially as a company in what would be a down economy, technically. We have done more loan closings in this, in this four months, this last four months, I've done more loan closings as a, as a dollar volume than I did my entire first year of this company when there was not a pandemic. And and I think that that speaks to what the government has tried to do regarding the, the these paycheck protection loans, et cetera. They didn't get it all right, but they're certainly giving effort. I'll give them some kudos for trying to figure out how to get these, keep these small businesses open. Um, and I just think that we, we will have – uh, a robust economy again in the next year. I I'd like it. Now, the PP, I guess tomorrow is the last day to to uh, try to get that PPP loan, right? Correct. If you hadn't gotten it by now, th- tomorrow is not going to matter. Honestly, <laughs> I mean, well, because the, the backlog is already so deep. Like if you hadn't done it by now, it 
you're not going you won't make the window anyway. So I think that those who really needed it were the ones who tried to get in early and and, and honestly a lot of banks didn't didn't do well with it, but I don't blame the banks. I do blame the government for that part because they they would come on the news and, and tell you the general public, here's what we're going to do. And then they would send us notices and say, okay, here's what we're really going to do. You <laughs> do different things. And and they would say, the money's going to be ready, you know, in two weeks. And then a month later, we're still trying to get it straight. It was it was a very difficult situation. The second round did better than the first round, I think. But our company doesn't focus a lot on that side. We focus more on the big picture of making banks feel comfortable that if Everett fans wanted to buy Wendy's or whatever, that it's still okay to buy the Wendy's. That's, my job is to do that, not to help you with your PPP. So my job is a bigger picture of how do I get something in place that's going to stay there for a while and allow you to hire 40 people and improve the community in Conway or wherever you are at that point. You know what I mean? So I, I, I think for us, um, what we've seen is that our banks have come back to us and said, okay, Bring us more hotel loans. Bring us more quick-serve restaurants. The things that, that were totally bombed by COVID, when, when hotels had no occupancy because people couldn't leave, when, when you know, restaurants couldn't let anybody inside or, or couldn't even go to the drive-thru, those things, the banks have come back and said, we understand the historical numbers are bad over this last 12 to 18 months, but let's, let's do them again anyway. And it's, it's really been helpful. So, you know, I'm only pointing at a couple of industries there, but I will say that overall I think that that banking has a very positive outlook as to what small business is going to do, and small business is what runs this country to me. Well, this is something that let me ask you about. Okay. $1.9 $1.9 trillion. We got 300 million people. If everybody got $1,000, that's still on the The math doesn't work, right? <laughs> yeah, where what what, what the rest of the money going? So a lot of things are, are for are for things like, like what we do in SBA. So, for example, part of what we do on our, on our loan side the government does does um, I'll try to do this look real quick. But the government does typically before COVID, if you came to me to get a loan to buy a business, and let's say the business costs five hundred thousand dollars, for example, then the the government when we do an SBA loan, there's a thing that's called an SBA guarantee fee, and what that is is a pool of money that goes into this fund so that for any business, any businesses that do fail, the guarantee fee that you pay a part of helps to pay those off. So taxpayers don't pay if a business fails with an SBA loan. The, the, your fellow SBA borrowers pay for those things. And if there's a fund there, and that's generally, you know, three, three and a half percent of your loan. So let's say it's 15000 bucks in that example. So what the government did, part of this trillion nine number, went to a fund to take that fee away. So the government's paying that fee for us. Again, trying to kickstart lending. The second thing they did was they came in and said, okay, when someone buys a business during this time frame, between now and the end of September, for example, of this year, 
if they have when their debt starts, the government's going to pay the first three months of payments for them a principal and interest up to nine thousand dollars per month. So there's another fund for that. So while you're looking at the individual's fourteen hundred dollar check, that thing, what you don't see are pieces like this because the government's going to say, I need to get money to Everett for his $500,000 loan and make it comfortable for him and give him some assistance on his first few months to get him going so Everett can hire these 30 people, not so I can keep giving this one person $1,400 and, and six months doing the, do it again. Like, they're doing both. So 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 there's – I don't know where a lot of the money goes. I can tell you that part. And And I think that the goal ultimately is that they are able to – keep jobs going in these small businesses. And I call them small businesses. A, a small business is anything with a net worth of less, tangible net worth of less than $15 million. So small is a relative term. But the point I'm making to you is I know people get frustrated with the government, and I do too, and I, I'm, not, I'm not here advocating for the government. I'm advocating to explain what SBA does. But, but I think that, that you have to understand that part of that is how can I create more job flow, get these people back to work, making the money they need to make so they can live a normal life and not have to rely on 1400 bucks that, that, unfortunately, they give you every six months or whatever. So if you're in trouble, 1400 bucks ain't going to save you in six months. But that's a different conversation. But my, point, my bigger point of it is a large part of that money went to things to help crank the engine back up of the economy. Okay. That, makes that people don't really that talk about no, I'm like this. This math does not work at all. Just no, the math won't work. It, 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 and it would take you a month to read it. That that that, that bill is very long. Um, right. And there's lots of pork in it. You know, it's 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 still your senators and <laughs> congressmen. They're gonna slide something in there. It might end up being. You know, I told you this big number for this piece, which was. Uh, Gosh, I know that that our it's at least you know five hundred million bucks of stuff in our world, but like inside of that, there may be somebody who slid in, you know, thirty thousand dollars for a park, and like it's it's stuff that's totally unrelated. So there's a lot of that in there too. I'm not gonna pretend like it's all, you know, good to go, but that there's a chunk of it that's like that. So. Right. Um, don't not, before don't I get the math, it won't add up. Yeah. Before I get to my last question, um, okay. I'm going to talk about very briefly. You got a star in your family. Your cousin <laughs> uh, is a Deleon. How do you say her middle name? Leah Deleon Hayes. Deleon. She won an NAACP Image Award and is yeah. Queen Latifah's daughter in the show The Equalizer, which I saw that the other day. And my wife was like, yeah, there's, there's uh, Brevard's cousin right there. Yeah. So congrats. We're, we're, we're very close. Um, it's funny. We, um, it, she, she's, she's something else. She, she uh, has worked really hard. Uh, again, same thing, focused. She's been focused from day one. Her, her father, um, Kevin, uh, played on one of Camden High's uh, state championship teams back in 1990 with Bobby Ingram and that crew. Um, 
and so always was a very focused athlete, and he brought that into his family. So she's never been an athlete, but she's very focused on what she does, and she was, you know, she's the voice of Doc McStuffins. She's the longest-running Doc McStuffins voice in the history of Doc McStuffins for Disney and made the most money for Disney of any Doc McStuffins, which is a whole different thing, too. She's, 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 she's amazing, and, and she just she grinds hard. But if I call her, if I called her today and said, hey, I need you to pop on West Foundation Sports Talk Show and say a quick word, if she had a minute, she'd do it. Like, she, she, we have deep cousin love. She is my, that's my baby. That's my We're going to have to make that happen at some point. So now you don't put it out there in the, that's, in the that's easy. I, I'm very proud of her. She, she's done really well, and she's made Camden proud, and she's made my community in Knights Hill proud. And uh, she, you know, she, she's, she's never forgotten where she came from. She's a, she's a great person. She's a good thing. So, but uh, as always, you know, we get in a great conversation. The next thing you look up, the time's almost out. And, I know. Uh, if you could, what advice would you give our listeners who have aspirations to play at the collegiate level? Um, actually, I got like three minutes, so two minutes. So um, I would say don't give up on your dream. My son, as you know, is a, is a, a D1 swimmer. Uh, about to be a D1 swimmer, same thing. Like we, I tell him, like I tell everybody else, like don't give up on your dream. Work really hard. Do things that your competition is not doing. So if you're like me, undersized, or like him, super tall and super fast, whatever the difference is, if I am sleeping at 6 a.m., you should be in the gym at 6 a.m. Not because I told you to, but because you want to. And so if something drives you to be that level, you've got to do what it takes. And, and when, you, when you do the work, it pays off. And so I think the key is just figuring out what that is for you. If, if you have the means to do it, then join a gym and do whatever. If you don't have the means, make your own gym and make your own work. But call the coaches, find out what they're looking for. Make sure they have your film. Make sure they have whatever. But don't give up on yourself. Don't get lazy. And be very smart and realistic about what you can or cannot do at the next level. And it works out. And I think about it time. <laughs> We appreciate that, and we definitely want to get you back on at some point. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll be calling on you again. But hey, uh, oh, thanks wait. again. Last last thing, I got I got one minute left, right? Six fifty eight. So yep. real quick, just know this: when you came into school, Jack Douglas, who is on your amazing backfield, who was the most prolific rushing quarterback in Central football history, was my recruit. And Jack Douglas's brothers played at the school, and Jack was a great athlete. But I knew Jack was going to school anyway at the Citadel. So, true story, when Jack came to campus for his weekend to visit, they gave him to me. And remember, they used to give you a little bit of money to go out and eat whatever. I took his money. <laughs> and, I, and I made him uh, take care of himself the whole weekend. And I said, you better come to the school, and you better be the best. And to this day, that's one of the favorite things. And he and he gave him money, and he came anyway, and he killed. But that I don't know if it made me a great recruiter or an evil person, but I took his money. 
<laughs> he's, he's got it back from me many times over since then, to be clear. Oh, oh no, 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 no. And besides, he was home anyway, so it's not like he was hey, in, right. in a exactly. city. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, anyway. We had to talk to him about uh, he's getting his money back from you. Yes. No, he got he got his money, and then some. So. Hey, we're going to a quick break, and we'll be back in a few minutes. Hold on.
How's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands with the West Foundation Sports Talk Show, and we're back. Uh, we just got finished talking to a banker, and now I have Ryan Schockner with us to talk a little bit about financial literacy. Uh, Ryan, how's everything going? Uh, great, Everett. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Excited to have you on today. Excited to have you on. Cause, uh, as, Man, very as, very uh, grateful to be here. Good. Well, if you don't mind, tell us a little bit about your background and how you became a financial coach. Yeah, absolutely. So like uh, like a lot of uh, student athletes out there, I played baseball in college. So I played at a small Division two school up in Milwaukee. And uh, my freshman year, you know, things were going great. I was starting, you know, top of the world in my mind. I thought I was, the, you know, that 1% that's going to make it. And uh, career-ending shoulder injury uh, my last game of my freshman year. And uh, I remember it like it was yesterday. And so, you know, I had the surgeries and the rehab, and I went through all that and tried to get back, and, and you know, it just wasn't in the cards. And, um, you know, when I came to and realized that I wasn't going to be playing anymore, it was, you know, it was a hard reality. But then, you know, I, I went straight to the, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Like, I was – going to be a baseball player and that was my path and that's what I worked for you know didn't do the best in school because again I was I was going to be that one percent and so I I figured I had to get an internship and so luckily I was in Milwaukee there was a financial institution there that had this you know top 10 internship program and I got into that and uh, learned really quick that, you know, even though I didn't know anything about finance at the time, uh, that I could leverage a lot of the skills that I used as an athlete to have success in that setting. And I noticed real quick that I was different than, you know, a lot of the kids that didn't have an athletic background. And I leveraged that really to have, you know, really good success in that internship program. So 2003 rolls around, I graduated and I didn't want to live in Milwaukee anymore, so I moved down to Charlotte, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, fast forward 17 years in that time frame, started my own financial planning firm, uh, have five, uh, we're in five states, Virginia, Tennessee, uh, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Florida. And last year we kind of, you know, I'm, I'm interviewing a really sharp kid, basketball player at UNCC, and I'm asking him. He had the job when he when he sat down with me. He he had it, and um, and I was just asking him, hey, what, you know, tell me a little bit about what you know about finance. And he didn't. He thought I was trying to trick him, right? Bait him into you know how much do you know? And I just wanted to know. I was just curious on what they were teaching him in, in college and. And he said, I, I, I don't know anything. I asked him, well, tell me what credit is. Like, just, it doesn't, there's no wrong answer here. And so he gave me he, the same thing. I have a credit card, but I don't know, you know, I don't know anything about it. And so, you know, figured out that they weren't really doing any sort of program. Um, and so I asked him if him and his, you know, this team, and usually the men's and women's team run together, if the coaches to ask his coach if they'd want someone to come in and just explain, you know, financial literacy and just talk about all this stuff that they're about to be faced with once they hit the real world. And uh, he was all about it. He called the coach, 
coach was like, yeah, bring them in. I mean, I told the coach that, you know, it's more of a recruiting thing for you because uh, you're not, there's not a lot of programs out there that are providing this. And when you're sitting in front of mom or mom and dad, you're telling the, the them that, yeah, I'm going to make sure your, your kid is fed. They're going to get playing time. If they try hard, they're going to come out of here with an education. They're going to have a roof over their head. Well, what if you can throw in there and we're going to make sure that they know the foundational steps to not make financial mistakes once they hit the real world. And the coach was all about it. COVID hits and the whole world shuts down. And so, um, you know, we're, we're getting ready to schedule the time to come in and talk. Um, You know, they were in in the middle of their conference tournament and that got canceled. And um, you know, the, the whole, again, the whole world just was trying to figure out what's going on. And so, I used some of that downtime to really just dictate a bunch of notes on a bunch of topics. And I just thought, you know, how do we take a topic that's really, really important, but not fun to learn about, you know, cause I remember what it was like in, in college, right? Like you, you, you wanted, when you're in class, you kind of want to be entertained a little bit. And, and a lot of these classes are, you know, at least for me, uh, weren't very exciting. And so how do you make a topic again, that's not, you know, exciting or fun to learn about. How do you how do you make it so that it's interactive and and memorable? And so, through all these notes I put together, we used uh, you know live case examples of um, you know like Mike Tyson buying Bengal tigers and um, you know Shaquille O'Neal dropping you know ten million in in two days when he when he went to the Lakers, and we used financial examples of people that they know about. And we related it to, um, you know, just uh, to real-world statistics on, hey, this isn't smart. Here's the math on it. But then we take that and we say, hey, this is what this topic, uh, whether it's credit or budgeting um, or how to save, and we relate it to something in athletics. And so what we do is we just kind of use the universal language of sports. So regardless of what sport you're in, um, you can relate to people that have played sports because you all kind of go through the same things. And so we take financial topics, explain it through the language of sports, and then we give them a game plan to say, hey, if you're serious about this, do this right now and do this moving forward and you're going to be good. And so that, uh, so I put together this whole presentation, sent it to a couple buddies, and they sent it to a um, – uh, publisher and the publisher comes back and says, Hey, we want to do a book on this. Now I didn't know they did that. Um, and so I was like, all right, that, that works. And then through that whole process, I started getting introduced to, um, current and former athletes. I mean, guys that, you know, I watched on, um, on Sunday, like Roy Williams, uh, from Oklahoma won a national championship, five-time pro bowler, you know, nine or 10 years in the league you know, he's doing a forward and like Anthony Tolliver, who 12 years in the NBA, um, he's coming in on the book to give his perspective from how he grew up and, you know, being in the league and, you know, lessons that he learned. And we've really just kind of teamed up and have built a, um, a program that can be delivered to, you know, college athletes. And it just really just keeps it real with them. I mean, we just talk in the language of sports. We teach them these lessons. We give them the game plan that has success. And, uh, and we've just developed different, you know, whether it's boot camps or, 
uh, online courses that they get lifetime access to, a text uh, where they can text questions and get, get responses to. Um, I mean, we've just developed this whole, um, you know, platform, and it's happened real, real quick. <laughs> you know, with, really within the last year, this is this is snowballed. So that's really the the process of what I call now becoming a financial coach and going in and talking to these athletic departments. Um, you know, collegiate athletic departments is really where we started. It's branching off from there. Um, uh, to you know, to, to educate these guys and, and really get them engaged. Outstanding, outstanding, and that's you know that is so much in line with what we want to do here at, at the West Foundation. Because again, <clears throat> our goal is to help kids to understand that they can be successful without being a professional athlete. And I don't care Absolutely. if you get a chance to be a professional or not, financial literacy will make you or break you. Um, and it's and it's something that we talk about a lot here here at the West Foundation, and uh, definitely um, we're going to look more into more of what you're doing, and seeing how we at the West Foundation can can be in line with you and possibly partner with some things if if you'll be a uh, um, game with that. So absolutely, now, absolutely. Do you just target the college athlete, or is it anything for the high school, or is it just the college and, and then the young adult? Yeah, so it really started with just the collegiate athletes, and it was, you know, kind of two parts to that. One is selfishly uh, – well, you know, it started when, when I was meeting with that, um, the kid from UNC Charlotte, the basketball player, and so that's just kind of where it originated. But, you know, selfishly um, – I've always wanted to do something more in sports. And so I just kind of like the energy of being around college athletes and um, that sort of thing. And, and then second part of that is, you know, to me, athletes are leaders. And um, when I look at the, you know, the clients that our firm has, uh, I look at the people that I've been introduced to and the, really the people that I consider close in my life, um, all of them are athletes and all of them are making an impact. And, um, and I just think, you know, we've got issues going on in the world and in the United States and whatever it is, and someone has to take action. And for everything that I've seen in my life, athletes are leaders and they're all about action. And so we started with the college athletes uh, really for those, those two reasons, you know, these guys and girls are going to graduate and they're going to hit the real world and they're going to be the next wave of leaders that we're going to have in this country. And so let's get them now when they're, when they're fresh um, and they're about to hit the real world where they're really starting to take this stuff uh, seriously. And that's, so that's where we started. Now it's really branched into you know, some projects with a couple NBA guys where we're trying to do kids' books, kids' picture books along the same theme, leveraging sports and that sort of thing uh, to teach, you know, at an early age and to get that at least that conversation going in the household uh, about financial literacy and then, uh, you know, in high school as well. Okay. Yeah, we're going to have to sit down and talk in, in depth about that because I definitely want to uh... – Try to get involved with you there. Um, now, let me ask you this. Um, 
again, sort of talk to you a little bit about what we're trying to get across to our guys and the importance of, of financial literacy and personal finance. Uh, what do you think is one of the first things um, that they should do to attack their personal finance? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I think you have to have a philosophy about money. And that may change over time. So just like, you know, a running back, he may be the, the running back that goes in and he's not going to take the hit. He's going to deliver the hit. And that's his philosophy as a running back. Or he could be the guy that he's just going to, he's got the moves and he's going to do a spin move and you're going to miss. Right? So what is your game? What, how do you see money? Right? Are you going to own money or are you going to be owned by money? Are you going to let all the material things and what, what others are, are you going to let you, do you need that validation or are you going to be, which a lot of athletes, you know, we're in the day and age now where the athletes are setting up businesses and foundations and, you know, there's so much more than just the, um, you know, the athlete, they've got multiple, uh, multiple businesses and investments and all that, you know, who, who are you going to be? Um, and what is your philosophy around around money? And if you can come up with that, and how are you? Again, are you gonna are you gonna use money or are you gonna be used by money? And if you can if you can figure that out as the foundation, then all the other pieces, the budgeting pieces, or the credits, or the you know debt pieces, all that kind of stuff falls into line because you know your philosophy on how you're gonna use money. Yeah. And I would imagine most people have never sat down and thought about what is my philosophy on money. It's more of I got to make it so I can spend it. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the best, mm-hmm. you know, Anthony, so when I was talking to Anthony Tolliver, you know, we did a whole two-hour session when he was coming in on this, uh, on the book to give his perspective. And I just said, I just asked, you know, what is it? Like why there's, you know, we, everybody comes from different backgrounds and, but we hit sports and we all speak the same language. It's like a brotherhood, right? Um, but why is it, you know, what is it? What, what can we do to change this? And he said, it's all about awareness. Like the conversations aren't happening in the households, um, whether it's, you know, just the situation of the household, but it's not regardless. Like, I talked to a, a, a gentleman that put his um, kids through uh, – he's an investment banker. I mean, he does well. Kids are tennis players. He didn't have these conversations with them. And so these conversations just – so it's, you have to have awareness on it. And, and that's how you start coming up with the philosophy on, um, you know, on, on money. And – you know, and, and kids are different. You know, I, I have those conversations. You know, I've actually did a little book club with my kids on, I'm not sure if you heard this book, but the five lessons I, a millionaire taught me, um, which was really good. Uh, but, you know, I have my oldest son is, is pretty good with his money. My daughter is pretty good with his money. But my 13-year-old, that money burned a hole in his pocket. <laughs> it's got to be and it's like here's a here's an example. It's kind of like, hey, I want the PS5. Okay, well if you save enough money for half, then I'll pay the other half. So he gets some money, and all of a sudden, 
I'm going to buy a game. I thought you wanted a PS5. Uh, I'll wait till later to get that, but I want the game now. Um, so I guess part of the personal finance deal is, is being able to say, hey, I got to go on and, and just concentrate on what I want long term and not just what I want right now. And and I think a lot of people are doing I want right now, the microwave society that we kind of live in, I want it right now versus let me go on and save for it. Do you think there's some uh, validity to that? Oh, 100%. I mean, we're, we're in a credit card-driven society, and that's because, you know, we want what we want when we want it, and we don't want to wait for it. You know, scientists have done all, um, studies on this, and they say that, you know, so your son is looking to buy this game, right? The anticipation of buying that game delivers similar dopamines, right, to get you hyped up and, and, and all amped up, right? But that, those dopamines go away within 24 to 48 hours of the purchase. And so then you're left saying, man, this, is, this was cool. So it's, it's more of the, the leading up and the anticipation of getting whatever the purchase is. It could be the game or it could be the, the car or it could be the new iPhone. The anticipation is, is what people chase, and that can be addicting. Uh, but then once you have it, it's kind of like, all right, cool. What's gonna, what is my next, you know, what's gonna fill it next, and what am I gonna go after next? And you're looking for that next, you know, for lack of a better word, that next high um, in in purchases. Yeah, we go in we go in depth in, in the in the book and in the courses and everything. I mean it's it's we we've definitely done our homework on this stuff. The um so one, being able to suppress that or is it suppressing it or what's the thought for overcoming the anticipation? No, I think you know, you got to have fun, right? Like, so we talk in the book about some of the purchases that these, these athletes make. And, you know, if you're talking about a guy now, and this is really not the norm, right? I mean, the, the most guys are, are, you know, not making the $50 million a year, but, but that's what gets publicized. So you get a guy that makes $50 million a year. So take Shaq, for example. He goes out to L.A., goes into the Rolls-Royce dealer. The guy, the salesman, didn't really pay him a whole lot of attention because he was wearing sweatpants. He gets upset. He decides to buy three Rolls-Royces right then and there. and He pays cash for them. And so, it, you know, so we see that, and, we, and people think that, hey, I've got I've to have that, right? And so, but the reality is he could afford that. We, you know, most people cannot afford that. And so it's not that you want to suppress it. I mean, you've got to have fun. People work hard for, for their money. You've got to have some sort of outlet and some sort of enjoyment. But you also have to have, again, that money philosophy on what are you really trying to build and what do you want life to look like, whether it's in sports or after sports. Um, and, and how are then are you going to structure where you're putting your money? So yes, you can enjoy it and have some fun, but you're going to be taken care of down the road. 
so going back to that instant gratification, it's just a quick thought. So, like, hypothetically, so say we have March Madness, we have a basketball player who um, continually makes shots during a game, so they get the instant gratification. Do you ever or have you ever realized that sometimes once they're done playing, they continue to look for that instant gratification and buying something, say, with a credit card, they kind of get that, that rush from? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if, you know, if it translates exactly, you know, the, like, you know, like that, but you definitely look for your next rush, right? And so you might see that basketball player that he gets on a roll and, in, in the tournament and then next game, he's not going according to the game plan, right? He wants to be, he wants to be the man again. And so he's taking more shots and, and, and he's not passing the ball. And now they lose because, you know, he, he was looking for that same, same high. So it's the same thing I would say in when making purchases, you know, we look for that, you know, that, that rush of leading up to the purchase and then the immediate, you know, 24 to 48 hours after it, you feel really good. And then you're looking for the next thing, and and it's so it's the same it's the same thing um, as as the basketball player would face. Gotcha. Yeah, we, we used to when I was at one school I was at, um, we called this guy a black hole because as soon as the ball went into him, it never came out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh man, he passed it to him. All right, be ready for a rebound. <laughs> uh, but but hopefully, from a financial standpoint, he's not in that situation. The um, from a young person's perspective, that really didn't have a lot of those conversations that we're talking about growing up. What are some of the things? that they need to look into, whether it's something that they might possibly might be able to do research on or just uh, contemplate and start thinking about um, to prepare for this financial success? You know, I, I, it all goes back to knowing what you want or, or knowing what you don't want, and then that can change as time goes on. So when we sit down with individuals and help them, you know, figure this out, um, and, and a lot of times we get athletes and we're, and we're fixing things for them, right? Like they either were taken advantage of or they made mistakes and now they need someone to come back and, and clean it up. But it's figuring out what that looks like, right? So it's really nothing financial at all. It's coming up, and I'm going to hit it back again, that, that money philosophy. Like what is my next five years or ten years? What do I want that to look like? And then it's really easy to back into what do I need to do, and so you know it's it's um, you know they can they can hit our text number and you know ask these questions because that's a lot of what we're putting out there um, for uh, for kids to learn is you know to get at least get awareness right and it's being it's creating the awareness figuring out what do I want life to look like what is my money philosophy and then you just start looking up. You know, um, how am I going to use debt, right? There's debt and there's loans. And, and in theory, they're the same thing, right? But, but debt is a burden. Loans can be leveraged to get something more. And I'll use the example of, you know, you have Dave Ramsey and you have Grant Cardone. 
you know, Dave Ramsey mm-hmm. says, don't be in debt at all. Grant Cardone says, man, my net worth went to over a billion dollars the more debt that I, that I took on, right? Well, it's not, it's not debt to him. He's leveraging loans to create, um, and he's knowing how to work the system, right? And so you can, you, it's just reading about, you know, different people, their money philosophies, and through that, you're going to kind of come up with your own. You're going to take a little bit of his, a little bit of that one, a little bit of this one, and you'll and you'll eventually come up with your own. And I think that's that's the key. I think a lot of times we try to do exactly as somebody else did, but you aren't exactly like them, so that exact thing is not going to get the same result. So you have to take a little bit from here, a little bit from there, and formulate your own ideas, and you run with that. Absolutely. Well, we do appreciate it. And again, we definitely uh, look forward to getting you back on with us again sometime soon. And uh, yeah, anytime. We uh, like I said, I like talking about financial literacy. Um, next time we'll sort of hone in on a specific thing, and, and definitely go into more depth on that. But as always, you know, makes me look up is it's time, and and uh, time doesn't wait on no man. But uh, we're gonna hey, hey, be back quick in- for sure. It was fun. I'm looking forward to coming on again. Sounds great. We'll just hold on a second. We're going to take a break. We'll be back in a few.
hopefully this year the land development and uh but the overall goal is rentals you know the passive uh income so um that's what that's kind of our model uh we we critique it every i feel like every quarter uh once we see what works what doesn't work but um it's been good it's been uh it's been a good you know three years and um well it's been a good two years uh last year and then beginning or this year um so uh, yeah we're staying busy and full-time and uh making it work so before i get into some other things let me ask you this why real estate so real estate and people might disagree but one thing about it is you can go look at most successful people, and when I say successful people, I'm just talking about some of the people, uh, and you can even go all the way to the billionaires, right? Um, and, yes, they might have started a company or they might have started a software or whatever it might be, but when you look at their main portfolio, with, you know, if you go look at their investments and you say, well, what are you really investing in? So, yeah, you started this business, you made $100 million, but where did that $100 million go? It goes into real estate. Um, to me, ever since college, I understood that uh, real estate is something that's been around since the beginning of time. You know, obviously it wasn't houses at that time. It was a chance or whatever it might have been. Um, and to now, you know, it, there's more. There's people, more people in the, in the, uh, on the earth every, every year, more people, and um, they need a place to lay their head. So for me, it was more or less, okay, let me – let me find a field that I don't think uh, personally is going anywhere, obviously. Uh, you know, we all need somewhere to lay our head. Uh, real estate takes its uh, bumps and bruises like every other industry. But um, I feel, and if you look back at over time, even with the bumps and bruises, it always comes back. You know, if you look at 2008 uh, when the market was, 2007, 2008 when the market was, uh, you know, at a, one of the lowest points that in history to now, you know, if you would have went back to 2007, 2008 and asked those people about, you know, what they thought about real estate, obviously it wouldn't have been good. But now, uh, especially where I live, it's it's hotter than it's ever been. Um, so uh, for me, it's, it was more of a, uh, you know, something that is always going to be around. But honestly, with all that being said, I just enjoy it. I really enjoy what I do. Uh, and I'm, I know that sounds cliche. I know it might sound, you know, uh, more like motivational speaking wise, but I never look at uh, my job as work anymore. Uh, and I, you know, I work for myself. I mean, I got partners, but you know, I own my own business. So I, I just enjoy what I do. Um, getting up every morning. Uh, I don't look at Monday through Sunday. It's just a day to me. So, I, you know, I just enjoy what I do now. So That's important because uh, my guys have heard me say before, don't chase money, chase something that you love. And if exactly. you chase something you love, the money. You know, and that's the thing. I know a lot of people that don't really enjoy what they do, but they say they can't afford because, of course, you know, I've coached for 25 years. And I got friends like, man, I would love to come coach, but I can't afford to go be a uh, GA right now. I make too much money. Right. Money and what you love. Exactly. And 
and that's you know, and that's kind of my situation. So NASCAR, you know, it's a great job. Like I would encourage any anybody, but especially an athlete coming out of college, if you can get into the pit crewing, that is a great job. If you don't make it, you know, professionally in your sport, because um, it is, it's it's exactly what you you've done your whole life. Whether it's pr- we go to practice, you work out, and you travel on the weekends. And it's really good money. Uh, I actually turned out, you know, a good job um, last year uh, to embed it on myself. But, uh, you know, I'm happy with my decision. And like I said, I never think about, oh, well, I got to go do this or I got to do that. Uh, You know, saying that, there are headaches. You know, obviously I got to be in the boss. You have to deal with the problems. Um, But uh, I enjoy it, you know, and um, I I 100% agree. Because I will be the first to say I've always thought money, especially with football, you know, is I can get to the NFL, then, you know, problems are good. I don't, there's no problems if you're making millions of dollars. But as I became an adult, I understand that is not – that's the furthest thing from truth. So um, I totally agree with you. And then go back to real estate. Um, the McDonald's is not in the restaurant business. Did you know that? Yep, they're in the real estate business. Exactly. 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 And then another big thing that is Walmart. If you want to find out where the next up and coming place is, um, find a Walmart that's being built. Exactly. Because they've yep. already done the research. Yeah. Because you usually see Walmart being built where there's nothing, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. five years later, it's a community. So just something that I learned from a real estate perspective. But what does it take to get started in real estate? I mean, is it, do I need a bunch of money? What is it? What does it take to get started? So it all depends on your strategy. Uh, so there's a thing in real estate that's very, very popular right now, and it's probably the most competitive thing. It's called wholesaling. Um, wholesaling is, you know, finding, going out, finding a distressed property and then calling an investor and saying, hey, look, I got this property at this price. Um, oh, I'll give you numbers. I got this property at uh, sixty grand. You buy it from me for sixty five, and then the wholesaler makes $65,000. Um, in wholesaling, you don't really need a lot of money. Now, I'm not one of those people that's going to say you don't need any money because I don't believe anything in the world you can do for free. You know, because even if you got to drive there, that's not free. You use the gas. So, um, wholesaling is the least amount of uh, uh, money. Um, what I do, uh, the fix and flip, you do need a little capital. Uh, I will say that. I know there's people online who will say, oh, yeah, I can show you how to do it for free. Uh, once again, maybe they can. I don't see how you can do it for free. Um so it all just goes back to your strategy. You know, if you come into the game saying, look, I want to start flipping home. Well, okay, you've got to get a loan to flip that home, and they're not just going to give you a loan with nothing down. So they're going to want their 15 to 20%. And let's say your loan is 250000 All right, you got to give them their 15 to 20% for them to give you that loan to flip that house. So I think there are ways to get into it with no money. Uh, and when I say no money, once again, I'm saying little money. Um, but uh, if you're going into any kind of construction or, like I said, fix and flip or whatever, you know, whatever it might be, yes, it's going to cost money. 
but the big thing is, I wouldn't say it's so much a money thing. I would say it's more of a understanding your situation. And when I say that, my situation was I didn't have a lot of money, but I'm good at connecting people, right? So I said, all right, this is what I want to do, and I want to do it now. I don't have the money to do it now, so what do I got to do to do it now? I got to go find somebody. I got to go find people who have the same interests as I do with money, and um, and that's kind of what I've done. And uh, put together a great team. Uh, I got three other partners who are great guys, and we all have different roles. But uh, it's been uh, it's been good. And um, but yeah, going back to your question, you do need you do when I say money, it could be as little as five hundred, you know, five hundred bucks, you know. But um, it just all depends on your strategy, on what you decide to do in real estate, because there's so many things you can do. So. Right. All right. Now. One of the things that 2008 taught me, and at that time it was easy, extremely easy, to get caught up in leveraging other people's. Let me say, uh, but is that something you think that uh, as starting out you should sort of lean on leveraging other people's money or? lean on what you have and going from there. I think you, yeah, I think so. I think you should always leverage. You shouldn't over leverage yourself. So uh, I want to say this the correct way. I think you should leverage uh, other people's money, correct? And not in a, a, in a scheming or shysty way. I'm saying, you know, if somebody would give you a million dollars, right, you need to take that million and don't go spend it and go to the next guy and say, hey, look, I have a million in the bank. What can you give me? Uh, and the reason why I say that is because where we're at, for example, we'll take, you know, the money that we have and we'll go leverage that with the bank. And the bank, you know, might give you a line of credit, whatever that might be. So they, if you have a million, they give you two million. Now you got two million. Now you can scale your business. Um, so, yes, I think you should always leverage money. Now, I don't think you should over leverage yourself. So what I mean by that is uh, you go out here and, yeah, you might be a good talker and you can talk – 20 banks and get $20 million, but you're not ready to have $20 million. Cause that's a, you know, I think people think, Oh, if I just had the money, I can do the business. Well, you don't realize how much money that is. And when you have that kind of money and you have to manage that kind of money in a business, you can't just go spend it. You got to manage it. It can, you know, it can be extremely overwhelming. I mean, we, um, you know, we understand that firsthand. Uh, you know, not being in business long, but having some good size, you know, decent size, uh, amounts of money, it's like, okay, well, it can it can catch up on you really quick because, like I said, no money's free. So you're paying interest now. You know, just because you got $20 million, that don't mean you got $23 million. That's $20 million plus whatever that percentage is. So um, I think you should always leverage money. I think it's the way to, uh, unless you got $100 billion, you know, million dollars in your own account, but uh, I think you should leverage, but just don't over leverage your personal, you know, yourself. Where if things do turn up, and I think a lot of people learn that 2008, 2008 is, you know, to be more diverse with the leveraging. So, um, and that's what we try to do is to be more diverse uh, and make sure if things do turn bad, you know, obviously you're going to take a hit as part of the game. You know, you're not going to get out scot free, but as long as you don't lose everything. Um, and you can continue to, the wheels can continue to roll. Eventually, you get back up to speed. So that's kind of our business model. That's how we kind of roll it. 
and uh, mm-hmm. and that's how we've been rolling it. So now you're doing a lot of face oh. flips. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, Sammy. No. Oh, I was just gonna say our our term for the day was focus. What was your main focus when you were first starting to get going in real estate? My main focus was just to learn. You know, I think uh, I think in today's age, it's just so easy to get caught up in everything. And you see some online, and you're like, oh, I can do that tomorrow without learning. So my main focus has always been to, and it still is now, I'm always, like the meeting I was just at, uh, meeting other guys, and I'm just, you know, hey, what do you do? Okay, cool, that's what you do. Well, can I come talk to you and learn about it? Because, you know, if I can learn, then that just adds a whole nother, you know, uh, what's the saying, the chunk of my belt or whatever the thing is. Um, and so my main focus has always just been, and I think it will always to be, because there's always somebody who knows more, is just to learn. And if I can continue to learn, the success and, you know, the rewards will come with learning. So that's just how, that's just been my, since I've started in real estate, is to uh, learn. And that's, what, and that's what I did from the get-go, just books and podcasts and all the stuff, so. Good. Now, the, you're doing a lot of fix and flips. Now, are mm-hmm. you doing all the work? Are you subbing the workout, or how are you all doing that? So we we actually subbed the workout. Uh, when we when we bought our first one, you know, everybody says, and I, it depends on what you want to do, right? So it's like if you're if you're saying, hey, I'm gonna buy one fix and flip a year, uh, then yeah, you could do the work. But we have usually about eight or nine going. Um, uh, we got eight going, uh, fix and flip. So there's just not an, you know, if I was to do all the work, they would never get done. So we sub, exactly. we sub almost everything out except the end when it's like punch list. We'll get in there. We'll knock out the punch list, whether that's touch-ups, uh, you know, basic stuff, maybe fixing some trim or something. But other than that, everything is just subbed out. We got our crews now that are rocking and rolling and uh, getting the job done for us. So. Because honestly, there's just not enough time, and uh, for yeah. us, with that with that amount of properties, which is not a lot for some people, you know, but it's a it's it's a it's a good amount uh, for where we're at, um, and so yeah, well, everything's basically subbed out. So, right. So if you could, um, well, I'm sure you sat down and sort of set some short term or long uh, term goals, uh, range goals for yourself, but in 10 years, how many fix and flips do you want to do a year, and how many rentals do you want to have in place? Okay, so uh, 10 years, you know, I don't think – so I think I'll always fix and flip. You know, I think it's fun to do, but I, that's not that's not the 10-year uh, goal. You know, uh, 10 years, I, our plan is to be building apartments, and uh, we're working on that now, uh, moving into that big commercial space. Um, uh, so that's, that's my goal. Hopefully in 10 years, uh, I'll be 37 or 38. And I hopefully, I, you know, if I was on a, you know, on a podcast, I'd say, you know, I'm building apartments, um, uh, doing big multifamily and, uh, moving towards that direction. As far as rental goes, that's always going to be, you know, the goal is that passive income. Our, our goal is, uh, a thousand units in 10 years. And, uh, I know it's, when we say that, a lot of people go, oh, that's a lot, you know. But for us, we're, uh, we try to keep the momentum rolling and, um, and you know, just keep 
keep on his neck, you know, keep on the neck and just uh, continue to buy, buy smart. But uh, that's our goal is to, uh, that's our company's goal is to, in 10 years, we hope to be in commercial building, you know, like I said, apartments and stuff like that um, with a thousand units. Um, so big goals, uh, but, you know, we, we see, we got the team. Uh, when I say the team, uh, the core guys right now to uh, everyone's hungry and we're all full time. Our families have to eat off of this. So uh, we're going to do whatever it takes to get as close as we can or surpass that goal. So um, that's, that's what that's our ten that's our ten year plan, in a in a shorter okay. version. You know, I mean that's a that's a condensed version. Right. But yeah, that's the ten year plan. The what is the average um, that you found that you get from a rental per month? So uh, so uh, so I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina, and um, man, Charlotte's so hot. The, this market is so crazy that you're looking at. I mean, you can't you can't rent anything in Charlotte for a thousand under a thousand. I mean, when I say anything, I mean anything for under a thousand dollars. So a lot of ours have been tenant in place. Uh, we've purchased five this year, um, and they've been tenant in place. They're paying a little bit beyond, uh, under market value. But we're allowing them to stay because they've been, you know, tenants. They've been good tenants to the past owners. And as we do updates, we'll increase that rent. But you're looking at anywhere in Charlotte for a house, and if you got the word Charlotte, the name Charlotte behind your uh, address, it's anywhere from twelve to um, fifteen hundred dollars. And when I say twelve to fifteen hundred dollars, that's also that's not something like. And I, and when I say that, that's not something like super nice. You know, it's 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 livable. You know, you're safe. Um, you know, but it's not uh, it's not the best product. Now, if you you know anything past, you know anything in a nice something nice, you're looking at sixteen hundred plus um, for a house here in Charlotte, North Carolina. But all of ours range. We're in the more of the C, uh, well, well, I say B class neighborhoods right now. So they're they're anywhere from a thousand to twelve to thirteen hundred dollars. Um, a month for it, so. Hello? Oh, maybe we might have lost him. I'm here. I can hear you now. Okay. So... Can you hear me? Hey, I'm, yeah, I can hear. I can hear you now. I'm sorry. Okay, no, you're good. Um, did you hear my question? I did not. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Um, so, what made you transition from wanting to go from NASCAR into real estate? Uh, I just wanted the. So I've always been an entrepreneur. Uh, and when I say, well, let me rephrase that. I've always been a entrepreneur. Um, and uh, but I've always had this like in me since I was young um, and I always knew I wanted to work for myself and NASCAR was a great job and I, you know, and I loved it. Uh, well, I, I enjoyed it, but I knew if I did not take the, the chance on myself now, I would regret it um, being 27 
Um, so it was just time, and I was having, and I just had my first uh, kid, and uh, I, yeah, it was just time for me to take that 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 jump, uh, and you know, make it work. And um, so that was a big thing for me was just the freedom. When I say freedom, I think people sometimes think it's hey, being your own business owners. Oh, you got freedom. It's it's a freedom, but it's a hard freedom. You know, like I said, you're the one that has to deal with everything. Where at a job, you you know, receive a paycheck. And, um, but yeah, for me, it was just that freedom, but also I, I like the pressure and I like the, uh, the sense that I got to make it work. If it doesn't work, it's on me. So, um, that was a big thing for me. And it was just time. I was, uh, I won't go out on with on time, but I, you know, it was just, um, mental wise, even though it was a good job, I enjoyed it. It was just time for me to move on and do something for my, uh, by myself. Uh, and uh, so that was a big thing for me was just um, just doing it because I knew I wanted to do it my whole life, and it was just time. Sure. That's awesome. I feel like so many people think owning your own business is it's always sunshines and rainbows, but they don't necessarily realize that it's a 24-7 type of deal when you're the one running the show. Exactly. But exactly. it's also so I, it's pretty rewarding, right? Yeah, it's super rewarding, and you feel good. Um, you feel good in the good and the bad times, you know. Uh, yeah, I know it sounds crazy, but um, the bad times also make you appreciate, you know, everything, um, whether it's, you know, the past job or current job. So it's something, you know, I told somebody yesterday, it's not for everybody. <laughs> I wouldn't get on social media and go quit your job and go do, you know, try to start your own business, but – if it's something that you really want to do, I would encourage everyone, my little sayings, like just jump off the porch, see where you land, you know. It might not work out, and it might and it might work out. Who knows? But um, you'll never know unless you jump. So, um, and that's kind of, it's kind of been my thing these last, this well, especially this year, but uh, the last two years battling with that inside of my head, uh, making that leap of faith, so. Good man. Well, hey, well, we appreciate you coming on. Um, I had a little technical difficulties, but I'm back now. Uh, but uh, we definitely want to uh, bring you back at some point and uh, talk about yeah. the big things that you're doing. Sure that you're going to be building those uh, apartment buildings before you know it. Yeah, yeah. It's good to talk to you guys, and um, yeah, anytime. I appreciate it. Hey, we're going to go to a quick break, and we'll be back in a few. Good day. Yeah. You know what? I like to play. No dickity, no doubt. Play on, play at. Play on, play at. Yo, Trey, drop the verse. It's going down, face of black street. The homies got at me, collab creations. Bump like agony, no doubt. I put it down, never slouch. As long as my credit can vouch, that dog couldn't catch me. Tell me who could stop with Dre making moves, attracting honeys like a magnet. Giving them orgasms with my mellow accent. Still moving this flavor with the homies, Black Street and Teddy, the original rough shaker. Shutting it down, good love. Baby got them open all over town. Strictly bitch, you don't play around Cover much ground, got game by the town Getting paid is 
a forte Each and every day to play away I can't get her out of my mind wow. I think about the girl all the time wow, wow. East side to the west side Push the fat rise, it's no surprise She got tricks in the stash Stacking up the cash Fast when it comes to the gas By no means average As long as she's got to have it Baby, you're a perfect ten I wanna get in Can I get down so I can I like the way you work it No diggity I got to bag it up I like the way you work it No diggity I got to bag it up I like the way you work it No diggity I got to bag it up I like the way you work it No diggity I got to bag it up She's got class and style knowledge by the time Baby, never act wild Very low-key on the profile Catching feelings is a no Let me tell you how it goes Curves the word, spins the verb Lovers it curves so freak what you heard Rolling with the fatness You don't even know what the half is You've got to pay to play Just a shorty bang bang to look your way I like the way you work it Trump tight all day, every day You're blowing my mind, maybe in time Baby, I can get you in my ride I like the way you work it No diggity I got to bag it up I like the way you work it No diggity I got to bag it up I like the way you work it No diggity I got to bag it up I like the way you work it everybody doing? This is Everett Sands with the West Foundation Sports Talk Show, and we've had a good night so far, good conversations, and we're going to finish tonight off with our last guest, who is the head coach of Coastal Carolina, Coach Jamie Chatterwell. Coach, how's everything going? Everett, it's doing well. I appreciate you uh, having me on tonight. Yes, sir. We appreciate you joining us. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, first, of, first of all, congratulations on a great year last year. And uh, I do appreciate mind, that. Yeah, we're going to definitely get into that a little bit more. But before we get into that, tell us a little bit about your journey um, from where you went to school, your, your coaching journey, and, and um, what brought you to Coastal Carolina. Okay, well, um, uh, I, I grew up in East Tennessee, right outside of uh, Knoxville, a little small town. Uh, grew up. Uh, Father was a uh, was a high school coach, so I played for him. Uh, fortunate enough to go to East Tennessee State University uh, to play college ball. I, uh, I don't know if I didn't play much; I was on the team, but uh, was uh, had a great experience there and um, met my met my my wife, who we've been married 16 years this summer. Met her there. Uh, started my coaching career there actually when I got done playing. Uh, just really started volunteering and helping out basically as a restricted earnings coach there for four years. And then they, they dropped the program in 2003, and, and I came to South Carolina. Uh, Charleston Southern is insistent 
uh, and was there five years as an assistant coach, just trying to figure it out. Uh, and then North Greenville University, um, Division Two in a school in Tigerville, South Carolina, had an opportunity there and uh, was fortunate enough to get that job and, and really just trying to learn learn on the learn on the job. That was not ready to be a head coach at that time. Made a lot of mistakes, but uh, was able to make those mistakes where nobody really noticed. Uh, and uh, you know, left there was a, was a head coach at Delta State for a year in Mississippi, uh, another Division two job, and then came back to Charleston Southern University in 2013 as uh, uh, as the head coach there, and, and, and spent four years there, uh, and then uh, made the decision in 2016 to, to step down from there and and uh, come to Coastal as an assistant coach. I uh, came to Coastal as an offensive coordinator. We were we were transitioning to FBS football, and I wanted to be a part of that transition, that ground floor. And uh, and then in 2019, our head coach uh, Joe Moglia uh, decided to to retire uh, and go to more of the administration side. And, and I was you know fortunate enough to be named uh, the new head coach there. Uh, and uh, in 2019, and and uh, learning experience there as well. Even though you you know this, even though you've been at certain levels or different places, I always have there's always things to learn. Uh, and uh, you know we we're able to do some things in 19 to to lay a foundation to help us this past year, and, and had a, just a tremendous year, and really just a tremendous group of people on our team, and, and to help us have you know our most successful season to date in FBS football. The 2020 was definitely a a different year, um, but it was also for Coastal different than 2019. What was the difference between 2019 and 2020 um, as you look back over things? I, I would I would just say our mindset. Uh, you know, we in 19 uh, as you laid the foundation for your football team, we were we were we were hoping to win. Um, and there was no belief to win. It was more hope. Well, maybe if we do this, maybe we can win. And I think in 20, uh, going through that 19 season, uh, uh, you know, ever we we were five and seven and 19, and five of those losses by were by a total of 24 points. So we were we were close in a lot of games, um, but there was no not a belief that they could actually win that or an expectation to win that. And I think it really flipped. I think going into 20. Just had some leaders say, "Hey, this is we can do these things if we'll do X, Y, Z," and they they bought into that. Obviously, the pandemic hit, and that challenged a lot of things and changed the way you might normally do stuff. But um, they never wavered from that belief. Their whole mindset changed. That hey, we can be a championship team, and basically the same players. Now we did have some obviously guys step up. You know, quarterback nobody knew about, and he played extremely well. So there's you got to give credit to him and some of those. But uh, it was more just the way their mind changed and what they believed in. And um, they, when you do that, you, you ground out negativity, you drown out the naysayers, say you're not good enough. You know the critics, media, all the people that you know pick who you know pick things they know what your team's about. Uh, and uh, they put themselves on a mission, and it was it was it was fun to be a part of. And it was very rewarding um, just to see a group of young people come together for a, you know for a purpose. Now, how did COVID affect your preparation? Well, that you know that was a challenge. Uh, if you go back, if you go back to when all that happened, we were fortunate. We had spring practice earlier than most teams do. We start uh, we start early February and we're done beginning March. So we actually got spring practice in, but we missed our our whole off season condition our strength program. And so when we were able to get back, you know, when you're able, I think majority of our team finally got back in July. But then you know then you lost them for COVID and all the different. Uh, requirements that we were going through 
we probably didn't have our full team back that was actually probably till uh, beginning of September. And the challenge with COVID was, you know, the way you're meeting and the way you used to meet and all the different things that you do, the way you practice. You know, you, you, you couldn't do those things. You had to be very strategic with uh, what you did in practice as far as what drills you could do and what group was together and what group wasn't together. And uh, you had to monitor how much, you know, uh, they were hitting, et cetera, because of really just not knowing exactly about COVID. Everybody was learning as it goes. You know, we didn't even meet as a, as a, as a team position-wise uh, or as a team in person until our, our, the week of our first game, uh, which was September week of September 12th. Uh, and so that went from July, you know, Zoom meetings and all the different things people were doing. You know, that's what we did during fall camp. And, you know, that's what we did. We had we set up 11 tents outside, and that's where our guys, our players sat so they could Zoom during the meetings and do some of those things. And that was miserable when it rained. And as you know, down here, uh, Everett, it rains quite a bit here in August. Uh, and so uh, those were challenges. Those were challenges, you know. But um, you make the most of what you have. You know, everybody might have been doing similar ones, and you can either complain about it or you you know, you figure it out. Uh, I give credit to our, you know, to our team as far as just not letting that be a distraction and trying to still focus on the thing. And your coaches too, you know, coaches were creatures of habit, as you know. And and when you get out of that, you start worrying about it. But you just you had to you had to make the most of what you had and try to go out and you know put your best uh, foot forward on on Saturdays. It seems like your player leadership really stepped up. Uh, was that more senior driven, or did you have some young guys step up as well? Well, I, I would definitely credit our seniors. Uh, you know, now they're called super seniors, the ones that came back. We we had a we had a good nucleus in 2019, but we had also some that weren't bought in, and there was a there was a divide there. Some of the guys were trying to lead, and some of them that were you know seniors at that time weren't allowed to. Uh, and we had a really good group that. There was about ten of them that were fifth-year seniors that got here in 2016 was their was their first year, and they redshirted. But you know, at 17 they lost, 18 they lost, 19 they lost. You know, and and they went through a lot of a lot of downtimes, uh, and you know, not knowing they were going to get an extra year back. This was their last year, you know, and they wanted to go out uh, and leave you know a legacy and a foundation for the people behind them, and and they were they were they were phenomenal, and and we had we had really two to three guys on offense, two specifically, and, and realistically had about four or five guys on defense that were, that were you know, all fifth-year type guys, and they were the rock, you know, and, and, and they did everything uh, that we asked them to do. There was not one time uh, during the year where we had, to, we had to try to pull teeth to get them to practice or one of those things. You, you know, you've been in those where it's just one of those terrible practices and nobody will do anything. We never had one of those where you would look back and go, Man, we just didn't get better today, and it was a credit to them. Anything that we asked to do, um, uh, we they did. Anytime you know, as a coach, you worry about when we started getting recognition, is that going to go to our head? They said, "Hey, coach, we'll handle it." Uh, they handled the COVID procedures as far as. I mean, our team down here in a hot spot. We went basically almost 15 straight weeks uh, without having any, you know, any anybody affected with COVID. You know, and, and basically the very last game, the one that we had a championship game. That was the last time you know we we had we had a family member get it and that sort of got everybody else. Besides that, they did a phenomenal job. So it was all the seniors and just the just the way they wanted to go out and and uh, you know leave a you know as I, I explained leave a legacy for the people to follow. Now you talk about the super seniors. Um, 
where NCAA is allowing all those guys to come back for another year if they want to. How is that going to affect recruiting, uh, or did that affect recruiting? Um, you know, did that allow you? Did you have to say we're going to keep seniors and not sign more guys, or you were able to sign or keep all your seniors and sign a full class, or how did that work out? Well, you know, some schools, uh, some schools were different. You know, fortunately for us, you know, uh, our, our university administration, you know, huge supporters of, of what we're doing. They allowed us to keep the seniors that wanted to stay and still find, still sign basically the the class that we would have signed uh, if if those seniors were leaving. The so you know we ended up losing three seniors um, and all the other seniors that could have moved on came back. And so that, you know, that's really, you know, gives us the opportunity obviously this year to you know, hopefully have another good year. The challenge going forward, it didn't affect this 21 recruiting class, but your 22 class now the challenge going forward is you have those super seniors when they leave, you're not replacing those scholarships because you're, you know, you're getting back to the 85 that's the limit at FBS. It's your juniors that were going to be seniors this year. Now they're, uh, you know, super juniors or whatever you call them. And so now – as a as the head coach, you've got to decide those guys that would be uh, that are technically your seniors. Do you bring them back for that extra year? Do you ask them, hey, you know, you're graduating. Uh, you know, we're not bringing a lot of different things that go into that. And so it's really challenged your 22 class, your 23 class going forward because everybody got that extra year. Uh, you know, and as coaches, you're always planning on your recruiting. You know, your your numbers. Hey, I'm losing this many people, et cetera. Uh, and so now you're trying to figure out who wants to come back, who's coming back, who's who's uh, doesn't want to come back. Uh, that's been the biggest challenge, uh, I think, is you're going forward with your 22 class and beyond to try to really work all that in because, uh, you know, it's going to be a little mess for a little while. So, and I didn't quite understand. So it's the seniors now, they can stay and not count against the 85. But correct. So let's, let's say if you're at 85, if you're at 85, and I had 10 seniors, I'm at 95 now. I've got 95 scholarships for this for this year, but I don't get to replace those 10, right? So when those seniors leave, it's not like I get to replace those numbers. I have to base it off my 85. So if I lose all these seniors and I don't lose any juniors, I can't find anybody. That's the way it works. And and so if I lose some juniors with that as well, if they decide, hey, I'm graduating, I want to move on, then you can sign some. So uh, um, that's the way it works this year. So it's it's as you can see, as you're starting to think about it, you, you know, you you obviously have a lot of experience with that. You're starting to think about it. You're seeing how that that can definitely be a challenge. Definitely, definitely, because now one, you can't. It's hard to project who's coming back and who's not um, at this point, because some guys are going to get a job and say, hey, I'm gone. Uh, and some guys are going to be like, can I come back? And you're going to be some, sure. And some of them, eh, I think you need to go and find you a job. Yeah. Um, and then some, some are saying, I'm coming back, and then they play well, and they might think, hey, i got a shot to go next level, so they decide to leave. You know, there's 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 a lot that goes into that piece of it. I think uh, it's going to be a challenging from that standpoint. Exactly. The three guys that left, are they – Chasing that dream to play on the next level, or they gotten a, they, did they we, get a job? We, uh, one of the young men uh, finished with his master's, got his MBA. He decided to you know move on to his career and and uh, decided to see what he's doing. And then two of them, uh, they both were one was defensive player year in the league, and the other one was the was the um, offensive all around player of the year, vice versa, whatever whatever they call it. 
And so they both are pursuing that next uh, that next step. They we had a pro day uh, on March 23rd. And they both did pretty well. So now they're hoping that that uh, you know their name gets called at some point here, and uh, when the draft happens, to give them a chance to continue playing. I think both of them will get that chance. We'll see what happens with the draft standpoint. But I, I do both think they'll have a chance to to get themselves in a camp and and have a chance to make a team because they're both uh, you know very productive players. Uh, and uh, both have some skill sets that can, you know, help teams. Yeah, and I guess that's a question also to ask. There weren't many camps last year. Do you think they're going to have many camps this year? Because there's a lot of guys that didn't get drafted that would have had a shot, if you know, to go to a mini camp and, and might have made a name for themselves. But do you think they'll have many camps in the NFL this year, or is it going to be? Yeah. That's a great question. I, I think uh, with the vaccinations and the different things that's going on, I, I think you'll see them push for those things because I know I know the you know NFL knows that those are valuable and I know they have opportunity to evaluate and, and see some people. So I, I think they'll actually have those now. What they look like, will they be similar to what they've done in the past? I think that's up in the air. You know, I think uh, you know going through last year, everybody knows how you can do it. I think I think there's obviously going to be some changes. To some of that, but I, I would be, I'd be surprised if they didn't have it because I, you know they're now I see the you know NFL said they're going to open up where they want full stand, full people in the stadium. So I think some of the some of the regulations I don't want to say will be loosened, but I think they'll try to bring things back with knowing what they know about the, the virus now and and um, you know how they can you know continue to manage it. You all got a lot coming back. Um, obviously, you're only losing three seniors. Um, and you're able to add, you know, a, a full class. So uh, how did the spring ball go? Because uh, you've got a lot of experienced guys there, a lot more than normal. So I imagine uh, spring was a little different because you had a lot more numbers this year than you had in years past. <laughs> that's that's a, that's a great point. You know, normally, as you know, you don't have as many, but we, we have tons. And so we – well, how we tried to approach it, obviously, with those super seniors and some of the guys that played just a lot of football, we really tried to limit, uh, one, their contact, limit their reps during the spring. Uh, one, because, you know, they, they obviously know what to do. Two, try to get them completely healthy. But three, most importantly, we do have some younger people uh, that needed a lot of reps and try to get as much experience to really push, you know, push those seniors that are returning for whatever it's starter or if it's playing time special teams role and so we were able to give uh, our younger guys a lot a lot of quality reps and it was ugly at times it wasn't the prettiest spring by any means uh but i do think we had a chance to really develop that young talent and put them in a position where hopefully they have a chance to contribute where what i'm excited about we brought in eight mid-years uh eight uh mid-years uh, meaning you know they came in in january whether they were a transfer or a high school freshman they could have early uh, and so they got experience, and, and I hope I think some of them will help us immediately in certain positions. I think some could have some roles on special teams, but I do think we've got uh, some young guys that will push for some playing time in certain areas that we, you know, that redshirted last year, whatever it may be, because of you know because of COVID. We had a lot of guys that a few that you know had a chance to get on the field in some capacity, but they'd be in quarantine or or whatever it may be, and they could never. We had one we had one young man that was quarantined over four different times for almost 42 days throughout the season. Uh, and so when he was pushing for some playing time, whether it was special teams or whatever. So I hope 
the experience they got this spring was beneficial. When they get to this summer, they get to the fall camp, they, there's some confidence there to push those upperclassmen. And because the biggest challenge we still have as we're building this program, whatever it is, uh, is depth. Uh, as you know, you're only as good as that next guy in line. Uh, and we've got to get those guys to the point where if we have some injuries, which we were fortunate this past year we really didn't, that we've got some quality to put in there to go in and, you know, help us play at a high level. One of the things I've often said is uh, to win a championship, you've got to have a little luck, and staying healthy is definitely a big part of that um, because, as you just alluded to, you know, uh, injury here, injury there, and there's a uh, – sometimes a considerable drop-off between your number one guy and your number two guy. Exactly right. Developing that. The, now, next year, um, what kind of off or excuse me, out-of-conference schedule are you all looking at? Well, uh, I think we've got a quality when we open. We open uh, with your alma mater. Uh, the Citadel, who we all know is uh, tough to prepare for, and they play a hard, disciplined team. Uh, and so we open with them. Uh, then Kansas uh, comes out here finally. Uh, you know, they were supposed to do that last year, and it ended up, you know, we had to go back out there because all the protocols and things. And so they're supposed to come here. Uh, uh, so that's that's two home games there. And then we go to Buffalo, who Buffalo obviously had a, has had a really good team the last past few years. They were really good this past year. Uh, and, uh, you know, have played for the MAC championship, if I'm not mistaken, in the last two years. So uh, really, really quality team. And we go up there and play them. And then UMass comes back here. So three out of our four, three out of our four uh, out-of-conference games are at home, so which we're excited about. That, uh, you know, that sets up well. We're Hopefully we're playing well there. Tough challenges. All, all those different teams bring some different, different uh, you know, schemes, et cetera, to, to – uh, you know, what you have to prepare for. So uh, it's exciting to play somebody in state. I think that's important as much as you can do that if you're paying, playing an FCS school. I think that's good to do it in state. Good fan base, obviously. Uh, and uh, playing, you know, playing some high quality out of conference opponents, Power Five, and then uh, two other, you know, FBS G5 teams. So it's a, it's a good schedule. And then obviously we've got the, the Sun Belt, which uh, I think everybody saw how good the Sun Belt was last year. Definitely. The uh, now is it is ULL going to be the the main team again for you all to beat? Um, or who? Well, I, I'm sure they'll be. You know, they, they've got they got about everybody coming back too. So I'm sure they'll they'll have they'll be picked to win the league, no doubt. Uh, obviously, you know, on our side, on the eastern side, yeah, you know, you can never pick against uh, you know Appalachian State, the tradition they have, and uh, the type of players they have. You know, they're 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 good every year, uh, and you know they're they're going to be good again next year. So they're really good. I think Troy's got a lot of talent. Georgia State's building their program, uh, and then obviously you got Georgia Georgia Southern. So our side of the division is really really good. Uh, I think I think each week is it's a toss up. Truthfully, I mean you can look at us last year and we weren't we were we were picked last out of everybody, uh, you know, and end up winning the thing. Uh, and uh, and so there's not that much talent. Uh, discrepancy truthfully between uh you know probably three and through ten you know now the top two teams from a talent standpoint uh are louisiana and uh app state they're the top two from a talent standpoint and three through ten all of us are pretty similar uh and so uh but lafayette's got a lot of people coming back uh and uh you know they will be 
senior quarterback and running backs and all the different things, so I'm sure they'll be picked to win the whole thing. Before I get to my last question, one more before that one, um, which goes back to you know what you were just saying there, how everybody is so close and how 2019 you lost five games by 24 points. Um, this year you won those close games early, which I think was definitely uh, of the factor that prepared you to having a great season this year. What can you pinpoint as far as changing that mindset from we're hoping we can win to we're believing we can win? Well, that's uh, <laughs> that's the million-dollar question, right? Uh, you know, I, I think two things that really helped us is we, we, we talked a lot about that 24 points uh, and how we could overcome it. And our whole spring before COVID shut everything down was, was all right, this is the 24. This is why we lost those games. We, showed, we talked about red zone. We talked about third downs. We talked about turnover margin. We talked about those key situations, you know, that are important in football games. And so here's the why behind the 24. You know, if we just do this, we just do this, maybe this game happens here, maybe this. And then we went about how we're going to overcome those things. And so we really tried to define it. We, we, every meeting we had was about something specific that would help us turn those 24 points in a positive direction. Uh, and it was all about key situations, red zone scoring, et cetera. And if you, come, if you look at our statistics this year, Compared to last year, we were bottom half of the league, a majority of maybe in the middle. We were in the top two or three in every major statistical category uh, in a key situation this year. And so we really talked about why that happened and how we were going to overcome those things. And so I, we started correlating that with the players is understanding you know, what was important. And it's not just to play hard. You know, hopefully that's what everybody does. And it's not necessarily your schemes. You know, obviously you feel like your scheme gives you chances. But it's really understanding those key situations and, and being prepared for that. I think that was the main thing that we did. And then two, uh, you you hit it on the hit the nail on the head. There is you needed the confidence to see it actually happen, right? And once we started building that confidence, and I think it started with game one. Even though we beat Kansas a year before, everybody talked about being a fluke. But going into that game, you know the the Sun Belt had. Um, beat the Big 12 all day long. So there was a lot of eyes on us that night because they can the, can the Sun Belt sweep the Big 12. And for us to go in there and play really well, all those things that we talked about all through spring, all through fall camp about overcoming those 24, what we have to do, how we're going to do it, how we're going to do it, it came to fruition. And then, as you know, when you get those young people to flip that switch and that and that, that hope that comes into belief man then 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 you can get them to start running through walls and we got everybody on board with that and so those are the two things that i believe wholeheartedly if we go out and don't play as well as kansas then you're still trying to get that hope to belief and but that the way we played really got it going and and then it was just from there it just continued to build last question um again you know time just gets away from me but for the young student athletes that's listening that have aspirations to play on a collegiate level and further, what piece of advice would you give them? I would say one is enjoy the journey. You know, I think we're so, our culture is so enamored with the next step, 
the next step? What's the next step? And they don't enjoy where they're at. If you're a high school athlete, you know, and, and you're listening tonight, man, be the best teammate you can be by by being prepared, being disciplined, doing the things necessary to help your team be successful, help you be successful in the classroom, the community. Uh, that matters. That's going to take you longer than any uh, – that'll take you a lot farther than football will. Now, football can open a lot of doors, as we know, right? It can open a lot of doors. But without those other – that main characteristics, those main qualities, it won't last. And, and the college athlete, the same thing, is, you know, when you're here, use football as a vessel. Don't allow football to use you. I've got to – I've got to. I've got to go. If I don't make it pro, I can't provide for my family, et cetera. That's not true. Your college education is going to open doors and be able to provide you something for your family that's long lasting. Yes, if you make it to the next level, make some good money. That's great. Maybe maybe you can provide for them a little quicker, right? Um, but enjoy where you're at. Plant your feet where you're at. Plant roots. Water those roots every day, and allow football to teach you the lessons that makes it the greatest sport in the world. It teaches you about commitment. It teaches you about sacrifice. It teaches about putting your others before yourself, right? Uh, and those characteristics, those qualities, those last, those sustain, and those are what makes people a pos- have people uh, has people make a positive impact on their community, makes them be have a, a positive impact on their family as a husband, as a father. Those things that really, really matter. Football teaches that. Uh, and I think we're so I think we get so in a rest to get to that next step that we don't enjoy that journey and water those roots where we're at and and, and I, that's what I would encourage them to do do your very best obviously don't leave anything out there empty your tank um, but do it in a way that you leave a lasting legacy about what you want to be and how you want to be remembered and if, if the Lord's going to open that door for you the next step great but if he doesn't if you if you use what you have where you're at I think he'll he'll bless your he'll bless your uh, journey as, as you go along wherever it ends up. Exactly. Now, one last thing, because uh, I, I used a, a something that I picked up from you earlier, because I thought of the day was focus. Um, so one of the things that we talked about earlier as I was talking about focus was be where your feet are, which is something that you, you talk about a lot. And uh, you sort of alluded to it there, which I think is very important. And, and I think that you all did a great job of focusing in um, on those 24 and the reasons why and how to overcome, and that allowed you to be successful this year. And I'm looking for you all to have another successful year next year. So, well, I appreciate it. Don't put too much pressure on us now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, as you know, um, getting to the top is hard. But staying at the top is even harder. Um, so right. I, I know your boy is going to, uh, to try to do that just to uh, go on and, and prove themselves that, hey, this wasn't just a one-time thing and we can play and, and we're going to be successful. So, But thank you very much for joining us. We, uh, we enjoyed it. And uh, we'll definitely love to get you back on sometime soon. We'll see when. And uh, we'll go from there. All right? All right. Thank, thank you. And I appreciate also, you. Also, uh, just keep uh, – June 26th, we're going to have our uh, – the West Foundation going to have our, our football camp down there, so hopefully I'm planning on trying to get some of the guys from Coastal there. Um, and if you want to swing by and, and and help coach a little bit, we definitely love to have you. Uh, sounds great. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Hey, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a few.
How's everybody doing? This is Everett Sands, West Foundation Sports Talk Show, and I have my co-host Sammy family with me. Hello. Sammy, we had another great. We had a great night. What did you think of everything? Oh my gosh, it was so awesome. Each speaker had wonderful points, and I, I myself, I took notes, so I'm taking away some notes for myself. Always good to learn. It is. It really is. You know, we started in night off with Anthony Bavard, um, who's been in the financial services industry for 31 years, and he's a commercial banker. But it's interesting that they sort of help small banks out with small businesses and allow them to get out of their comfort zone, so to speak, and do deals throughout the country which is really cool. Really yeah, cool. he he had the comments of do something your opponent is not doing, which at times I feel like it's super hard to kind of try and figure out what your opponent is not doing and go that avenue, but I absolutely love that. I think it's a great point. And, and I think part of it is it's, you know, somebody said once that I'm going to do the things um, that I don't want to do, so later I can do what I want to do. And I think that's part of what your opponent is not doing, the things that you don't want to do, sometimes the things that aren't necessarily fun. Um, but you do that now, and now later on you get to do what you want to do, when now he's still not able to do what he doesn't want to do. So he or she, excuse me. Um, mm-hmm. But that, that was definitely big. And... Um, Another big thing that he talked about is uh, to think smarter, not harder. Absolutely. Oftentimes, especially from a football perspective, you want to go tackle things head on. And that's not always the smartest thing to do. And uh, because sometimes that that thing's a little bit bigger than you. So you've got to think about what's the best plan of action. And that's easier said than done sometimes, but uh, definitely something we all need to need to do from time to time. Yeah. Then we have yeah. uh, on the financial side, we went deeper into the financial side, and we had Ryan Schachner join us. Now a lot to learn here, a lot to learn, and uh, he uh, talked a lot about. You know, about just financial literacy. And I'm amazed, and I guess, you know, not totally, but I am amazed that you sit down with somebody that's graduating from college and ask them what they know about finances, and they, I really don't know much. But I guess that goes mm-hmm. to what are we, what are they taught um, from a school perspective? Um, there's not many classes on finance as far no. as everyday finance. Well, Did even at home, I feel like finance? money is... What was that? Yeah. Oh, I feel like money even at home can be such a, a touchy subject that sometimes that's not even covered at home. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's true. And, you know, Part of the reason why you want to, from a parent perspective, to give an allowance is to allow your child to 
handle money. Because um, I guess if you don't ever get money, then it's hard to know what to do with money. Um, so that's that's definitely something at home you can do. But from a school perspective, um, did you take any classes in school on personal finance? I don't remember. I remember one. I think I took one in high school, but I think it was very brief. I don't recall taking anything um, about personal finance. Um, For me, my mom was the one that was the – where I learned a lot of my money ways from. Um, but uh, but it's, it is something that we got to, and that's one of the reasons, that's one of the things that I really want to uh, continue to harp on um, with the foundation is financial literacy. And so I'm definitely looking forward to getting with uh, Ryan and, and seeing how we can partner. And, and he's talking about starting to do some things for the high schools, um, and even younger ages, and, and I want to see how we can be a part of that because I think that's extremely important. Um, even from a, you know, a middle school to an elementary school kid just starting to think about your money plan, and that's the big thing that he talks about. One of the big things he talks about, what is your plan for money? Um, and I don't think many people have sat down and really thought about that. You know, how do I plan to use my money? I mean, what am I trying to build and what I want life to look like down the road? Uh, I think we've, we've become such a, as I call it, a microwave society where we want everything right now, but we really don't think about the future from a monetary standpoint. And uh, mm-hmm. 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 I about is how buying is like a drug and how you get a rush from the anticipation of buying something. Uh, and then 24, 48 hours later, you're like, okay, what's the next thing? So um, I don't like to buy stuff. Really? So I guess I don't have that as much. What are you going to say, I'm sorry? Oh, I said really. Um, terrible habit, but I've gotten into buying a lot of stuff online due to COVID. And it's so fun. And I need to reel in my own personal finances and spending. Now, is it fun in anticipation for the box? Or is it fun in buying? Uh, and how much do you use everything that you buy? Oh, my gosh. Um, I think I just buy it to buy it. Um, and then, I don't know. I I mean, I've been buying a lot of clothes right now, which is kind of cliche for a female, but um, I've I've been wearing it a lot, so I'd say that. So it's, it's been put to use, that's for sure, but did I need it? No, absolutely not. Yeah. The uh, at times of I've been uh, I've been uh, told that I'm a stickler on need versus want. Do you need it or do you want? It? But hey, 
But that's me. I'm my mama's child, so that's where I get that from. Um, <laughs> well, I need now, to be better at that. <laughs> well, and the, I guess the key is, are you in shack shoes or where I can go spend, you know, six, seven hundred thousand dollars and there's nothing, or or is that one where I'll go do that and I'm gonna be like, how am I gonna pay for it? So I'm sure you're not in that situation. So no. it's not as bad as long as you can quote unquote afford to do it, even though you still got to think about the long run. So then thinking of the long run, we talked about we talked to Mason Harris, who is uh, in real estate. Um, and he is, you know, there's, there's diff, definitely different aspects of real estate, which he talked about wholesaling, um, which that is one form of real estate where you don't have to have a lot of capital up front um, because you pretty much you find a property uh, and then you sell it at, at the closing table. So you never own a property. You just own the rights to it and you walk away with a check, which is not a bad way to uh, – definitely get started and hopefully build some capital to do some of the other things. But he's big in fix and flips. And then he also wants to get into some rentals and then move towards uh, new construction. Now, uh, have you ever looked at real estate as an investment? Yeah, I have. I actually keep looking at it. I feel like I need to buy a house. Then whether I buy it to rent it or buy it for myself, but my mom keeps telling me I should wait till I'm a little more settled and not planning trips overseas. So it's, it's, to me, now one thing as a coach, my thought process was, um, I never really acted on this, um, but my thought process was when I take a new job, find a duplex, purchase the duplex, live in one side, rent the other side, um, after the family moves, you know, you go on and get your house with the family and then rent both sides. So um, in essence, when I'm living in one side and renting the other side, the rent on the other side will hopefully pay most of the mortgage. Um, so you're not yeah. quite living rent-free. But as you move out, now that's going to do more than just pay the mortgage, and now you get the opportunity to put some money aside. Um, so that's one of the thoughts from a coaching perspective that I often had. Um, I never acted on it, but it's definitely something that I thought about. And, of course, if that opportunity presents itself, I would definitely act on um, and it. And, you know, as he, as he talks about, we asked the question, why real estate? And, and he went on talking about how most successful people, and we say successful, most billionaires, millionaires, um, to take their money to the next level, they use real estate. And one of the things that I think is very true of real estate is God isn't making any more. So it's not like you could make more of it. What is there is there. And I had a wise man once tell me, unless you absolutely have to sell, you should probably try to hang on to real estate. So, Buying a house is, is probably not a bad thing because one of the things, you know, looking back, instead of staying in the apartment for two or three years after I graduated, if I would have just bought a condo, um, 
first of all, the the tax ramifications, which you get a tax write-off, um, and having ownership, and then being able to, whenever you move, to go on and being able to rent it out, and now you got some passive income is a good thing, a really good thing. And uh, I think they got a, a great goal to have a thousand units. That's a lofty goal, but you got to think if you if you're averaging um, with a mortgage three or four hundred dollars per unit. That's three or four hundred thousand dollars, and that's if you still have a mortgage on it. And of course, hopefully by that time, a lot of the times they won't have any on there. So that's straight profits. So it's going to be much more than that. So that is definitely a great goal to have. Yeah. So. Then we had Coach Chadwell, um, which one of the biggest things that, that we took from that, and I actually had the opportunity to coach with him in 2019, and it was a lot of close games that we lost. It was like every game came down to the last minute, and, and we didn't find a way to win. But five losses by a total of 24 points. That's less than a touchdown a game. But being able to take them from hoping to win to believing they can win was huge. And uh, as he said, they, they won that, that first game, um, and that's just sort of instilled a little bit more belief. And then you go win a, another close game, and all of a sudden everybody's believing, and now it's on fire. And they were on fire this year, and they did a great job. And uh, the only game they lost was the bowl game. So, uh, and you know, you got to wonder. They had opportunity to play in the um, Sun Belt Championship game, but because of COVID, um, they didn't have the opportunity to uh, actually play that game. Uh, so, but they had a great season, a really, really good season, and I'm really happy for them. Happy for those guys, and uh, and good to see most of them are coming back, and looking for them to have another great season. Even though they open up with my alma mater next year, so <laughs> you know, do you pull for the your alma mater, or do you pull for the guy that you coached last? What do you think? Well, that's tough. I got to say, they're gonna be the underdogs. I'm an underdog type of guy. Uh, so <laughs> they're gonna be the underdogs. I gotta pull for the I gotta pull for the underdogs, but I'm probably gonna try to get down. That's the first game of the season, so uh, my goal is to try to get down there and 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 watch that one. And so, now it is now a final. South Carolina is going back to the final four. They beat, uh, uh, excuse me, they beat Texas, sixty-two to thirty-four. Nice. Nice win by South Carolina. Nice win by South Carolina. And then at 9 o'clock, you got the Stanford and Louisville game. Um, which we both picked Louisville. On the girls, we were we were in sync with the girls. Now, with the guys, <laughs> yeah. I picked Gonzaga, you picked USC. With nine minutes and 43 seconds left in the game, Gonzaga is up 69 to 47. Ooh. It is March Madness. Anything could happen. But 
As of right now, Gonzaga looks like they're going to pull that one out. Now, the question is, um, with the other games, is the Michigan and Florida State game. I'm sorry, not Michigan and Florida State. I apologize. UCLA. Michigan and UCLA. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting Final Four. And uh, it's going to be here before we know it. And now it's time to get some things going. So Now, um, as you're preparing to uh, leave the country next month, um, what all do you have to do to uh, head over, overseas with COVID and everything? Are there any type of um, tests or shots you got to get before you head over? Yeah, so I'll have to. There's um, a few things I'll have to get that's standard for Africa. I'll have to get the, I think it's a yellow, yellow fever shot. And then um, malaria, I'll get malaria pills. Uh, to leave the country and go to Africa, I have to have a negative COVID test. And in order to come back, I also have to have a negative, negative COVID test. Um, and then basically just planning out where I want to start and where I want to go. And it's kind of a mixture of I want to make some good use of my time and volunteer some of my time. So I was looking at a few. There's a, um, a little monkey orphanage. That would be awesome. That they do a minimum of two weeks that you can go and volunteer right. time. And then there's a tour that has it mapped out for, I think it's nine to ten days, that you can stay in different hotels and uh, taste their wine. I guess they have really good wine there, which I didn't know. And then um, Zambia is where a friend of a friend is, and there's super awesome uh, safaris and whatnot there, and there's also an elephant orphanage, so I want to go check that out. So those are just a few things that are on my horizon, and so basically just planning out where I want to start and end up, and um, hopefully the rest of it just kind of falls into place. And make sure you enjoy your time while you're over there. And then when you get back, get ready to find your spot in athletics. Um, yeah. It's going to be. Yep. Uh, somebody is going to be ready for a dietitian. <laughs> Thanks. I, I hope so. Way. I'm ready to hit the ground running. Good, good, good. Hey, but definitely thank you for joining me tonight. We had a blast. Uh, we had some great guests, and I do appreciate you uh, taking the time and being the co-host tonight. And we definitely want to get you to come join me again as co-host at some point, um, hopefully after you come back from Africa so we can uh, talk about all the great things that you saw while you was over there. Yes, absolutely, and thank you. Thanks, Everett, for everything you do and the West Foundation and yeah, it's always a pleasure. But everybody, y'all have a great night. Um, continue watching March Madness. There'll be some other games on tonight. And uh, we're going to see here before long, not only for the men, but the women, who's going to be the 2021 national champions 
And, you know, the one question I have is, will they put an asterisk by this season? Um, or will it just going to be 2021? So we'll see. We'll never know until years down the road. But uh, everybody, you have a great night, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.